It is May the 20th, probably earlier if we can make it, and you're listening to New Game of Flame. I'm your host, Andy, and I'm joined here by Master of uh, Handheld, Guido. Hello. And the microcomputer antiquarian, Diego. <laughs> hello, everyone. <laughs> hello, hello. How are you guys doing here? We, we've been a long time since we've spoken to each other. I think we've all been on holiday, and uh, what a coincidence, first of all. How'd it go? I don't know if it's if it's a coincidence. It's like I think maybe Europe is just free these weeks, <laughs> or is it isn't it just a regular holiday for you guys? Ah, uh, for me it was just a, a bit of a um, special thing. So I, I just took the days off. It wasn't bank holiday here, so I I just went. Ah, well, in the Netherlands everyone was uh, two weeks off, so. Uh, yeah, that's that's for us. It wasn't a coincidence, but uh, yeah, we I went with the uh, train to uh, to Spain, so uh, with the night train. So that was interesting. <laughs> to say. How long does that take? Uh, we just I think it's four hours to Paris, and then from Paris you can take the night train uh, in the evening, and then it's I think twelve hours or something. Uh, yeah, it's twelve hours in the night train, and then when you wake up, you're almost in Spain, in a, some kind of small village called Cerbere or something. And uh, you only have to hop off over the border and then you're almost in Barcelona, where, where I went. And uh, it was super interesting because we went with uh, my, my family of four. But uh, right, nice. there's also, uh, every cabin has six beds. So it's a roll of a dice who you have with you in your cabin, which is already a really tight space. Uh, <laughs> okay. You mean you can have a stranger in your cabin? Yeah, as yeah well? we had two strangers uh, at uh, oh. at both uh, when when we went to there and when we went back. And the first, like when we on the the way to there, it was okay. There were just two younger people who were really quiet. But the way back, we had two, like 60, 70 plus people. Which we decided to eat a sandwich with salami uh, in that oh. cabin before <laughs> oh, going to bed. And uh, they didn't speak any language apart from French. And they really liked to shout it to us. So we were like, <laughs> okay, this is going to be a rough night. So, uh, and that guy was really snoring. I had earplugs in and I, ca I can still hear it loudly. So... It was an interesting My way goodness. back, but uh, I survived it. <laughs> Did they stink as well? Sorry, this is bad. Yeah, if you eat salami, then, uh, oh then you God. don't smell like, garlic uh, salami. <laughs> like flowers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they also brought our dog. <laughs> they also brought our dog. <laughs> so oh. There was also a dog Did in he... our cabin. <laughs> Did you like salami as well? I don't know. I, I just wanted to sleep. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we survived. We also had some small and pleasant experience with the travelers in our in our trip a little bit. That someone decided that it was a good idea, partly for them to bring pizza on top of an airplane. Wow. I don't know. I thought it was kind of disgusting. Uh, I mean, it's greasy and it's smelly as well. And 
And to top it all, they actually stored it on the uh, how do you call them? Those drawers on the top of them. The, the luggage on the top uh, of the airplanes. Yeah, the, the luggage cabins or something or storage. Yeah, for the for yes. the luggage. Yeah. Yeah, storage and cabins. I think. Yeah, we clearly saw that when they closed those, the the pizza was really not flat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> start starting to wait to see some red goo coming out of the fissures there like you know like in a horror movie when you see blood <laughs> dropping out of the window we were, we were oh. imagining that the same thing would happen melted cheese uh, dropping on your head <laughs> so somehow how can people think that's a good idea but uh... the, yeah i think the worst thing is when they take their shoes off and if they haven't you know if they don't um look after their personal hygiene then <laughs> that's that's a, not a good scenario it happened to me in japan once my goodness <laughs> me i never smelled something like that in my life <laughs> yeah well so what did you visit Guido? did you visit like lots of lots of places how many places in how many days well uh we we uh we went to paris first because the our night train was there so we went in the morning to paris with the high speed train so we had a day in paris uh, so mm -hmm. yeah, for the kids, we just visit the Eiffel Tower and that's it. So they could see it as well because my wife and I uh, went to Paris a tons of times. So for us, it's not it's nothing new. But uh, they really liked it. And then we took the night train to uh, a little coastal place near Barcelona. It was just a campsite with a little of those uh, ho little houses on there, and we were there for a week. And uh, one of those days, we went uh, with, uh, with the train to Barcelona just to see the Sagrada Familia also for the kids. <laughs> so they mm. see something they really remember. You just really wanted to play games. <laughs> well, I played games. Yeah, 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 of course. I know, <laughs> but you, you said like, oh, just for the kids, just for the kids, like, like you're not interested. But it's nice, isn't it? Yeah, but also I, I've, I've seen it before. Uh, I, I, ah, I've, I see I've seen Barcelona a lot and uh, I just don't want to walk all day with the kids. So I just want them to remember something about it. And I think when you go, go to the biggest, most impressive building of the city, then maybe they'll remember in, uh, in five years or something. <laughs> uh, and also it's just a really nice vibe in Barcelona. So we went to a restaurant there and just chill and was just yeah we don't want to uh, see everything with if you are, if you have kids you don't want to drag them all along through through a whole city to see all those sightseeing seeings they they don't won't have fun we don't won't have fun so and now we just had a really chill day just a little walk and a little and something to eat and then we went back and uh, just we're on the campsite with with uh, there was a swimming pool and it was really nice uh, and a play uh area for the kids and they had a really nice time what did you eat as a vegan what did we eat yeah uh you could just cook in the, in your own uh cabin oh so you didn't eat out like you didn't buy stuff <laughs> yeah like in barcelona we ate out we ate out and you have an app if, if you're vegan you have the app happy uh, cow i don't know if you know it oh happy yeah. Cow. yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah so uh, when you're in big city and uh, open happy cow there's plenty of options uh, everywhere and in Barcelona, we had a really nice Mexican, uh, all vegan Mexican food uh, place. It was really awesome. I even bought a t-shirt from them. <laughs> I can work there now with a t-shirt. <laughs> go, go, you job. Yeah. In Barcelona, well, would be cool. Yeah, it's nice and warm there. Diego, what's about you? 
Well, I had my little periodic trip back to Italy to see family and friends. And, uh, well, this time, actually, thanks to the two weeks Dutch holiday, I actually got to meet uh, one of my best friends who lives there. Oh. And uh, he he told me something that I wanted to ask you about it, because is that right that in Holland you have mandatory swimming safety certifications for kids that are well, seem to be pretty demanding? He was telling me that their kid had to do a swimming test with their coat and their shoes on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not mandatory, but it's like uh, everybody does it, and it's a bit uh, frowned upon if you if you don't give your kids the swimming lessons. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, <laughs> you can say it's mandatory in a socially way, but it's not like uh, if mm. you, if you don't do it, uh, you get a fine or something. So, uh, but okay, yeah, everybody does it, and uh, yeah, if you if you're going for your second uh, license you have to swim with your clothes on and even uh rain clothes so uh with uh rain boots and stuff so they will be filled with water as well so you have to turn you put them off and you can even use them you learn how to use them as floating devices so it's really uh yeah uh everybody can swim really well in the netherlands like the MacGyvers of water, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, and yet my my oldest son had has those licenses, and we were at the swimming pool here in uh, in in uh, Spain, and <laughs> I, he was still swimming like a dog. So, <laughs> 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 oh, you did go to Italy, and you also, Andy? Yeah, yeah, me too. We met, in fact, me and Diego met for two hours. <laughs> nice. I mostly I was mostly happy that even though I had about a week only I managed to see a lot of people and some of which I hadn't seen since before the pandemic so that was really really nice to get in touch back with them and that that's what basically we did we didn't really go and see any particular holiday places at all for us it's yeah, just right, a way right. to yeah 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 I see to spend time socially all right, yeah. So I've been to Italy as well uh, on a similar note. So I've been to see my family, see my friends. Um, so yeah, it was it was good. I met you as well. So we had a, a, a two hour meetup after so so long. And thank you for all the snacks you brought over. The usual supply. Were there Finnish Finnish snacks or? Yes, the best. Um, so yeah, I saw my my parents so and brought a load of stuff to repair to my dad. So he's repairing uh, some some Commodore sixty fours now. So I gave him some, offloaded some of them to, so he can do them. So he like he likes, loves doing that sort of stuff. And and then yeah, saw my friends. Yeah, we went out after a long time. I got drunk and haven't been drunk in a long time. And I do not have the age for that anymore. I just cannot. <laughs> I had to give up uh, the next uh, the next day's outing because I just felt so bad the next day. That really bad. I slept really poorly and I'm not used to it. Yeah, whatever. Me neither. Yeah, I can't do it anymore. I can't. Uh, I just I don't drink even very much anymore. So when it happens, it's just um, a massacre for me. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, I've got this bag of snacks. Uh, so thank you very much for that. But before we go on, I just want to mention to everyone, it is the anniversary. So one year ago... Me and Diego were broadcasting the first episode of New Game Old Flame. And yeah, um, it's been a year. I can't believe it's been so quick and so fast. Um, 
It's do you still remember what game it was? Oh, the first episode was not about any game. Do you remember? We were just talking about us and what we do and what we were going to do. And, uh, oh, right, yeah. Mm. It was a pilot episode, of course. Yeah, with the lowest volume that I've ever heard in my life, <laughs> if you go back and listen to it. But yeah, it was, it's, it's been quite fun up to now. Um, I don't know if you guys, well, we, Wida, you've joined a bit later, but I don't know if you listened from the beginning, but yeah, what, yeah, what was I've your favorite episode? Even uh, for the platforms I wasn't interested in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, what, what, yeah. Which episode did you like best? Ooh. If you at the top uh, of your head, there was that well, one you with the with the Game Boy game. Um, Obviously. <laughs> yeah, of course. Obviously. Um, <laughs> that, that adventure Game Boy game. What was it called? With the Samalard. Yeah, Samalard. I think. Yeah, that was. Uh, oh yeah. That was one I I really seeked out after. When you discussed it, uh, I thought, oh, I have to check that game out. That, uh, that That's one I really remembered. And one where I was on, I think that was the first one, uh, which uh, Matt, Matt, you met from, uh, from Witch and Wiz. Yeah, yeah, Matt Houston, yeah. Matt Houston. Yeah, yeah, that was also really fun uh, to be there and uh, yeah, sort of got, getting introduced with you guys and, uh, and the show. And uh, also a really memorable episode. And I think... That episode did really well as well. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. Lots of people loved that episode, which is um, really nice as a feedback. Yeah, um, it's good. It's good to revisit the memories. What? Which one do you remember fondly, Diego? Well, the one I had most fun participating in of the released episodes has certainly been a Peaks Quest for me. Mm. I had to say that, yeah. Yeah, that was fun, yeah. Lots of guests, and uh, the game was obviously outstanding on its own, so... It was really, really nice to be there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That that one was really fun for me. And I, it was the only one that I really felt sad after they left. <laughs> I was just like, what this is going on? Yeah, that and I think the first one that started to change a bit to when we were a bit more confident was Flight of Pigarus. And that one was quite funny as well in my in my memory. So I remember that one fondly as well, for some reason, I don't know. It was the first one where we started to have some proper laughs on the show, which is good. Always good. So yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Ha- yeah, but they're all good shows. So. <laughs> let's hope, oh well, <laughs> not biased. No. Um, let's hope that we can continue in this fashion and get better and better. So yeah, as I was saying, I just wanted to continue on the snacks um conversation that we were having and uh yeah with i've as soon as i've brought them home all my family has absolutely gone mental and assaulted the snacks so i have to keep them and refrain them from going to the cupboard with the snacks otherwise they'll eat them all (laughs) so i've started researching a bit more in these snacks because um i don't know what makes them so special i don't understand so we've tasted it so far tafel's bowls so they're little like fluffy balls and they taste of something called ranch flavor i don't know what that is exactly but this they're really good because they're not too salty and they're not um and they're not too bland they're just right and the flavor is i don't know really good i i don't know it's just the perfect balance for me the bowls and then we had the uh something always from tafel called the kicks again ranch flavor those were a bit more um tasty but usually when they're too tasty they put me off and these was more flavor or something 
I don't know. Um, they were they were more flavored, but sometimes like when they have the chives and cheese sort of thing, they're they're too fake and they and they just don't taste right. And these were quite strong, but managed not to put me off. Which again, I have have to give credit to, to this um, Finnish company. They're really good. They're also salty balls. <laughs> no, these are like crisp salty balls. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I can I can tell you what they're made of if you're interested. No, no, don't tell me. Don't tell me. I don't, I don't know if I want to know what they're made no, of. No, but come on, of course. Well, first of all, I made sure that they were all vegan because I know that that's your preference. So the those ranch balls are made of broad beans. And uh, the other ones, the kicks, are made of uh, chickpeas. Hmm. So both kind of protein content snacks. And of course, entirely vegetable. So I thought that you you wanted that kind of snack. Yeah, they were also they were absolutely amazing. The kids would never stop eating them. I have to stop my my partner. She goes to the cupboard and opens up. Oh, I'm getting the snacks. I'm like, leave them alone. <laughs> They're <Yeah>. mine. <laughs> and, yeah. Well, I, I feel very protective about them. And then I started. I tried to see if um, I can find them on Amazon or something, but uh, they they don't really sell. There's just one company that sells them, and. Um, I think it's like nine pounds to ship them over, which I mean, very expensive, anyways. They're like six euros a bag plus, um, but you know, plus the shipping and it's. Um, I don't know. I'll think about it. Uh, and then we tasted one from o- Oikia Oats, and I th- we already had two bags of those. One, the crisps, that the absolute favorite in the house. So they're crisps made of oats, but they're so good. They're so good. This mm. we had. They have so weird flavors. This one was more traditional, so it's just salty. Really good. And also they break differently in your mouth. I can't explain it. You have to taste it. And then we had some cheese, sort of cheese puffs, which are, again, half the size of the normal puffs that you're used to maybe. But again, very well-balanced flavor. So really enjoyed all these. I'm looking forward to the next ones. And I'm always hoping you either send me something. From yeah, I, I, I found the snacks. I thought uh, they were sold out or they were not in store anymore. Well, I, I, I talked about before this, the snacks, the Hexen Heel. I actually found out they're Danish and <laughs> not Dutch. All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> uh, those, those snacks are actually, um, it's made by a Dutch company, but I've, I've, it's also famous in, in Denmark. So uh, I don't know. Uh, but um yeah, I can send them now because I bought a bag. I found them and I can send them to you. But uh, as well, yeah, shipping you have to cost give me this insane. It's all right. I mean, I pay for the shipping <laughs> and for the I pay for them, but I want to try them and make a comparison. It's uh, it's always good. Uh, I sent them before to people from abroad and they really hated them. <laughs> uh, well, so well, I can munch down a whole bag uh, if I want to. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Well, we'll have to try them, won't we? Um, and uh, we'll we'll talk about them as well. I, I I definitely want to try them though because it's it's really cool that we can try. If if you can send them over, I can try snacks from Finland and from well Denmark at this point. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it's all right. Um, on a different note, I don't know if you guys seen it. I've seen it because I had to. Uh, the Mario movie. Have you seen it? Oh, I really want to. No. But my 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 older son never wants to go to the movies. I, he hates it. Um, I know. Don't ask me uh, why, but uh, he he really, I don't know. He, I think he uh, 
maybe we brought him to the cinema too young and he was scared and now he's scared to go <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's insane <laughs> so uh yeah i have to wait i think until it comes out in, in on tv or something or maybe i'll just go in the night with my wife just doing kids movies <laughs> Mario. Oh God. <laughs> i don't know yeah i'm a big time mario fan i have all the games i literally have all yeah. the uh, platform games i made like a, a website called mariochecklist.com and there's all the mainline <laughs> all the ma- mainline mario games are there and you can check them off to if you played them or maybe if you collected them and they all have them and uh and not played them by the way all i think i'm missing like three or something so yeah i'm really mario not so i should watch it uh i heard it w- wasn't a really good movie but it's really like a fan service so yes i i think i agree with that sentiment like um i i kind of fell asleep at some point but i did actually uh understand there was lots of reference in them so yeah. in the in the, yeah but other than that it's very and i think i don't understand is they made it very american but mario is really fr- so mario bros is from japan isn't it? they made it there mm. but they made it very american and witty and all that sort of stuff oh, i don't know if i like it like that but anyways um that that's my really two two cents on it i'm not gonna mm. go too much into detail with it but um yeah it's all right but just uh, many of the references, I'd appreciate Donkey Kong, that sort of stuff that was in there. Mario Kart, there was lots of uh, little nudges to all the games, and uh, but the story was a bit... Mm. There was I, no story, I was, probably. <laughs> I heard no, there, there no was story. a story. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. Princess Peach also was a bit over the top. From what? So from the games, I had built myself an image of, of Princess Peach. Um, and the way she acted, like very... A strong woman, very independent. I just, I don't know, just was a bit, I'm not saying they shouldn't be like that. I'm just saying I, my mental image of her was a bit different and and mm. the Mario guys were a bit underwhelming. I, I would have thought a bit differently, but never mind. I mean, just say it's just one of those movies there, a game movie. Uh, and it made, um, Gangbusters, it made so much money for them. It's, uh, it's just waiting for Mario Bros. 2 to, uh, to release because it's making them so yeah. much money. It's uh, it's insane. I think it, it made more money than than triple A games. So for them, <laughs> so <laughs> they uh, might just be moving on to the movie. Yeah, industry maybe then. they'll all do a Zelda and a Metroid movie too. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll watch. I'll watch. Oh, okay. Did you watch it, Diego? No, I must say I'm not usually really a fan of computer games based movies. Mm. Every single one I saw, it has always been quite underwhelming. The, so, the Sonic one was also decent, I think. It was not great, but I think it was, was okay. Uh, I've got that on my list. One. It, I haven't seen it yet. It, it's, yeah, it just, it's, let's say it's not bad. <laughs> so uh, okay. I'm not a Sonic fan, so, uh, and I, I sort of liked it. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's quite yeah. ridiculous and it doesn't follow any Sonic convention. So it, it's, like Even the movie example, poster. The rings, <laughs> the, the rings in Sonic are like you pick them up and you they sort of function as a life or something in in Sonic games. Or yeah, you, you collect hundred and you get life. Yeah, yeah. But in this in the movie, he uses it to portal through different worlds and stuff. So it's really weird. It's not not nowhere in the games. So I don't know. But yeah, uh, it, well, but I, the movie I, poster. I, I, have you seen the movie poster of that? 
It's just weird that Sonic looks a bit different as well. He's got like a bit beefy calves, like <laughs> big calves. It looks a bit like a human with a big head. It's yeah, just yeah. weird, weird. I don't know. I, I'm a bit put off. I need to look at that movie anyways, just for the sake of it, because we are Sonic fans. <laughs> have, you, have you both seen the original movie, uh, Mario movie? Because that's ridiculously bad. No, no. Actually, the, the story is quite interesting, like a sort of science fiction weird story. Which is really like it's like all, almost a sort of post-apocalyptic movie, <laughs> so it's really oh, interesting. No. <laughs> but okay. uh, yeah, it's totally ridiculous and boring. It's a really boring movie. But the, the ideas are quite interesting. But <laughs> why they did attach Mario to that movie? It's it's really weird. It's really off. But uh, maybe the story is better. But maybe the the execution is worse. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 see that as well. I heard all the people who were working on that movie were drunk all the time. So, and you uh, definitely <laughs> see that on the, on, in that movie. Awesome, awesome. Um, last thing I'm going to add is I'm been uh, sorting out a gaming rig for myself because of my laptop giving up. So, um, mm. looking forward to that. Uh, I think nothing else for me. I yeah. don't know about you guys. If you have anything to add, I think, uh, Diego, do you have anything to add? No, no, not really. Besides the holiday trip, uh, what have I been doing? Just lots of sports. We had our grandmaster of our karate club coming from Belgium to visit right. us. So he did a lot of advanced stuff. and But Usually when he comes over, we have many trainings with him, both of low levels and high levels. But I, I, it always gives me this weird feeling because when you see these um, people getting really advanced uh, in their black belt dance, they tend to get more and more spectacular as they go higher in, in level. But then at some point, it changes and they get less and less spectacular. And this grandmaster of ours is so experienced that he al almost doesn't move. He he does very little movements, but he can throw everyone everywhere all around mm. <laughs> with those little movements. And, it's like the Matrix. Well, almost perhaps, but it, it's really incredible how he can turn every single warm-up exercise, for example into a, a very effective technique. So he's been first doing the usual warm-up with the, moving the shoulders, for example, just to open up a little bit your joints over there and then showing how he can use it to make someone's fly. <laughs> it's, it's, re it's really incredibly effective. So lots of trainings, lots of sports, but that's it. <laughs> Nothing so much else. What belt are you? I'm still a colored belt. Still blue belt level. Okay. I have a few years already under under my belt, so <laughs> to speak. <laughs> but I think, generally speaking, not good enough yet at the actual uh, fighting part. All right. So I'm a bit scared of the last uh, couple of tests to get the black belt. Oh, this isn't there a brown and belt in between the blue and the? Yes, yes, but that one also is very difficult for me. It's um, technique-wise and 
you know about all the traditional exercises, I might feel confident, but then you also actually have to do some sparring there. Well, when I got the blue belt, I also got a blue eye with it, so I kind of Ooh. figured out that I need to get a brown eye for the brown belt and the black <laughs> eye for the black belt. That's that's when I learned where the belt colors come from. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, last one was already a bit scary, so... <laughs> Don't know, don't know. I'm taking my time anyway. Not in a rush. I'm not. I don't need to compete or anything like that. So. So you could say to someone, "You've got karate eyes. <laughs> you could based on the color." <laughs> we do. I've been making some quake maps before the holiday. There was like a, a jam going on um, for speed mapping jam for quake, and the idea was to make quake maps in two hours each. So, wow. yeah, normally it takes me like 20 hours or something to make a map. And now we the challenge was to make it within two hours. Uh, anyway, uh, that was really challenging to, uh, to do. And uh, I, I managed to make two maps for uh, a map pack. And it ended up into 132 maps in total of everybody submitting maps. And uh, they made like four episodes to play through and nice i, I made uh, uh, two maps for one map for one episode and one map for another episode and i'm actually trying to play through them as well on, on my own stream on my twitch channel but uh it takes a long time i think it's maybe eight hours to get through all those maps do you do testing on your own maps uh well normally i do and normally i okay. uh, uh, send them over to people uh, and uh, let them play test because it's really easy to record a demo on Quake. It's like uh, mm -hmm. you do uh, within Quake, you can record the demo and it outputs a file and you can share it to someone else and he can play the demo in uh, in their Quake. So it's really easy to uh, to uh, record a, a playthrough uh, for someone. Uh, so you can really easily ask uh, like, can you play test it for me? And then they send over a demo and I can see what they're doing in their game. And uh, But now, because it's only two hours, you will barely have any time to play test. So you play it through once for yourself to see if it works. Uh, I, I send it to someone like, can you see Can you see if there's any glaring problems? And uh, they said, okay, it's I can play through it, so it's fine. And mm. then I just submitted it because two hours is so short. It's yeah, really, yeah, it's too short. Uh, but uh, it's insane what people can make in two hours. If you play that, uh, it's called Coffee Quake. Uh, so it's the idea is you can play some little maps in in your coffee break because they're so short and small. Uh, but some people make insanely detailed maps and it's really insane what they make. I'm so jealous that they can make something in two hours like that. Uh, it, it would take me like 20 to make something like that. It's it's crazy. So, But it's really fun practice to to make a map in two hours because normally you, you you keep on grinding on it and sometimes you think, oh, this is this is not good. I'm not going to finish it. I'm not yeah, going to publish it. it. Yeah. And if you, if you only have two hours, you just make something playable and submit it and that's it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, afterwards yeah. you can maybe think, okay, this was shit, but uh, yeah, it's submitted. So whatever. People have to deal with it. But yeah, they turned out pretty okay in my maps, I think. And yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's cool that you, you do this as well. My God, you got like a such a 
a gaming life some some watch <laughs> <laughs> not only gaming i did also this i did also did cycling again so <laughs> yeah. right. i'm uh nice stuff yeah cool. all right guys it's time to move on to games then Uh, I've been exploring this uh, Finnish-based game company called Vector 5 Games. And uh, eventually I decided to play this one because it was, the, in my opinion, clearly the best of their bunch called Space Station 23. Obviously for the Commodore 64, <laughs> as you were not <laughs> expecting at all. <laughs> okay, but anyway, this is a company that's been around for a couple of years. They've already done kind of a half dozen games and I can see that they are getting better at, at them. So the first games were perhaps a little bit simple but now Space Station 23 is already very nicely complicated in my opinion. Even though it's a down-to-earth Commodore 64 game. I think we've been a bit spoiled by now but some extraordinary titles mm. like Pig's Quest so if you play Space Station 23 after a Pig's Quest, it might feel a little bit backwards in terms of... I know what you mean, yeah. In terms of graphic and audio and such. But I think it really captures the classic essence of C64 games. <laughs> I think it really does. So what is, what is it? Well, basically, it's a map-based collector game in semi-top-down view. So the point is exploring different areas or screens. Uh, it's a little bit reminiscing to me of a game called Countdown to Meltdown. Never heard of it. And uh, not particularly famous, but I immediately thought of that game. And also it has a little bit of impossible mission feel and maybe even paradroid feel. Anyway... Background story is about a space station that's been hit by, the, by a meteorite and is now in disarray. And your character must recover uh, a large number of canisters with nice radioactive symbol on them. Nice. And some tools that I are some depicted, as, uh, depicted as hammers in order to clear every level. You got about 10 levels, if I remember right. And there's usually slightly more items than you need to meet the quota. But there's a number of complications. Mm -hmm. So, in addition to finding these tools, collecting all these tools in the proper amount, you need to find a cartridge to open the exit door of the current level. So, what, hang on, what's the level then? I was going to wait to ask this, but I don't understand. Is the level just a part of the space station? It's, a, yes, part of a space station there's some outdoor levels and some indoor levels and they have different rules okay so it's a multi-screen every level is multiple screen mm. so complications well first of all many of the sliding doors you see around in various locations are jammed and also there's some corridors blocked by laser barriers and you can restore these doors or turn off the barriers by operating certain terminals in the same screen. But those terminals won't work until you first restore the mainframe computer of each level. 
And in order to do that, you need to find a disk with the operating system, <laughs> find the mainframe, and put the disk into the mainframe. And then this will activate all the terminals. Mm. So overall, this idea requires a little bit of exploration and possibly also backtracking. So sometimes there are locations early on in a level that you cannot fully clear of the items. And then you have to find this uh, disk and then you have to find the mainframe. They can be far away from each other. So you are going back and forth between the different screens. How many devils are there? If I remember right, it's 10. I've already finished this game uh, a couple of weeks ago, to be honest. So not sure if it's 10 or 12, but something if, like if that. If I watch the itch.io page, I see a station map and it's, uh, it counts to 10. So I think it's 10. Okay. It's uh, yeah, 10 levels. 10, it says right. 10 levels and 240 different rooms to explore. And they, they aren't even that small. I mean, there's quite a bit of going around and I think it takes about 10 minutes to clear a level. Mm. So it's. It's not a very, very short game, but uh, well, complications aren't finished. Okay. There's, there's some corridors blocked by debris, so you also sometimes need to find some bombs to dispatch debris and continue along a certain location. And to top it all, many areas are infested by aliens, oh. which spawn from some specific tiles that you can also destroy, by the way, because... As a matter of fact, you're actually armed. You have a gun, but you have limited bullets. That's another thing you can find more of around. And bullets are also needed to open certain passages like damaged walls and vent doors. These are particularly hard to spot, the vent doors. So it often occurred to me that I, before being able to, to finish a level, I thought I had cleared all the areas. And then I didn't notice that there were some vent doors that would take me to another location on the same level. So, can, can so you say that the ammunition is limited and you also have to use those to open progression. Is it also possible to uh, soft lock yourself that way in the level? Definitely. Oh, okay. That's unfortunate. Yes. <laughs> you, need to be, you need to be careful because there's only a limited amount of bullets that you can find around in that level. Mm. So if you go too easy on the bullet, especially when you're fighting the aliens. You might run out of them and not be able to finish the whole level. It did happen to me a couple of times. Oh. Uh, yeah. How, yeah. How do you tell? How you, you tell because you just can't find any progression or does the game recognize that and tell you you're locked out? No, unfortunately it doesn't tell you that. Okay. But uh, you kind of figure out if in uh, in some levels you notice there's there's one of those barriers you need to to shoot at and wherever you go there's no bullets left mm. you've already picked them up all and you've wasted too many of them so I, I think it took me only a couple of levels to become more conservative in using those bullets so mm, yeah it wasn't a big deal really at the end but it caught me unprepared at first and can you just reset the level if you're, you're soft locked or uh, do you have to start yeah. over the game? No, no, no. And and the game um, has a sort of save mechanism, so it will also remember where where you are. Mm. Okay. Well, yeah. So you can go oh. back, but hang on. But if it saves automatically, then it saves when you finish a level, I'm guessing. So you're out and you... Because if it yes. saves... Yeah, yeah, okay. Makes sense. Yeah. 
Okay, and I, I mentioned that there's two two types of levels, the indoor and the outdoor. Mm-hmm. So there's another complication on the outside, outdoor levels, because they have also a timer-based mechanism that represents the heating of the atmosphere or something like that. So when the timer bar is emptied, you start overheating and losing your life energy. So you're not going to be killed at the first collision. You have an energy bar that goes okay. down if you, if you touch the aliens mainly or if you go straight into a laser barrier. But the outdoor levels are particularly tricky because you have another bar representing uh, your resistance to heat and, uh, and when it goes down to zero, then your life bar goes down so to prevent that there are many terminals around these levels where you can sort of uh, activate a cool down procedure or something Mm. like that so you often have to go back to the previous screen or something like that and cool down quickly unless you know that there's going to be another one soon enough later on so the risk is that that you go too far and then you start losing life energy, then you're going to be in trouble. Okay, so, so you have to basically these... go back in the, the spaceship and cool down, then can, you can go back out. Uh, you're not going back indoor. Typically, if you have an outdoor level, that's all outdoor, but you have these specific terminals on the that outdoor levels where you can cool down and replenish your, your overheating bar. I see. So okay, speak. okay, okay. I'm with you. Okay. And so it's all a game about these limited resources, really, because, of course, your life energy is one resource, but then you have also the bullets, and then you have in outdoor levels also this other resource to take care of. So it's a bit like a a survival horror game. (laughs) Well, maybe, yeah, yeah. It's not, Mm. it doesn't really have a horror feel, however, (laughs) because uh, the aliens are kind of cute, in my (laughs) opinion, so... But yeah, it's, it has a bit, maybe a bit like the same in mechanics because you're always in survival horror. You're also always mm-hmm. managing to survive all the time with limited yeah, resources. That's right. mm. What about health? Can you find can you find additional health to restore your health? So say yeah, you, yes, definitely. Did, there uh, there are also uh, bonus items like that where you can restore a little bit of your energy. And do the aliens shoot at you, or do they just collide with you? The aliens just collide, okay. but essentially, when you are in a room with alien, there's this spawning tile from which they come out, mm-hmm. and up to a maximum, I think maybe six of them for in for each screen or something like that. And uh, so, if you just shoot the aliens, more of them will come out. And generally, the tactic is trying to focus on shooting the spawning tile so that you don't get more of them yeah, and you yeah. don't have to kill all of them when there aren't that many if you if you stop the spawning when there's only two or three of them you can just navigate around them and save the bullets but when there are five or six then it's very difficult you kind of oh, yeah. have to shoot them so that brings me to a question like uh, is it is it a bit like um, you know P.O. Pow or I put P.O. Pow as a as a comparison but there's a Rogue 64 as well like when you move they move or everything moves continuously uh, no in this case it's really that 
everything moves at its own pace. It's a right. real-time game. Okay, so not it's a turn-based game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you don't plan ahead your moves. You just okay. act. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I've got yeah. Hmm. So the the aliens aren't following you around. They are just going. They through move a... kind of random. Yeah. yeah. They don't follow. They move kind of random, not in a very easy to predict way. It's I guess it is random. Not sure how it's implemented, but they usually move. the The map is kind of tile based. So let's say they move a few tiles in one direction and then change to another direction. Mm. Not predictably anyway. They don't follow they don't seem to follow visible patterns to me. So sometimes it's difficult to avoid them if you have very cramped spaces. Mm, yeah, yeah, I can see that. But uh, it's but uh, I think it's all well balanced. I mean, the game is not frustrating at all. Well, there's only one little bit that frustrates me. It's the uh, Collision mechanism is a little bit irritating because it, uh, if you hit an alien, then you're pushed in one seemingly random direction a little bit. And that always confused me when I had to move around. That's the only, only implementations I re- really didn't like, mm-hmm. to be honest. But uh, otherwise, the game is it's quite fun because the it's pretty well balanced and I love also that the maps are disorienting so sometimes you get lost and you forgot that maybe you've already found the exit or you've found the mainframe but uh, uh, you, you forget where they are so you have to go back and forth a little bit and I, I actually like that feeling maybe it yeah, leads yeah. up to that horror survival <laughs> overall <laughs> theme what about there's an icon there there's an icon that's a bell on the UI what is that I think that's a bullet. Bell. <laughs> that's a bullet. A bullet. Oh, I thought it was a bell. <laughs> so you got bullets, yeah, health, and that's the heat there with the asterisk. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, got you. Yeah. Then there's uh, like a, I, I'm kind of seeing this for the first time. So in the items, there's a floppy disk that I suppose is the operating system that you were mentioning before. Yeah. And then there's another two icons that I can't really. Uh, one of them must be the bomb. Oh yeah, which that makes sense. you you usually find more than one per level anyway. What's the bomb but for? Did you say? I don't remember. The bomb is to clear up the debris. So sometimes there's ah, yes, a, that's it. There's a passage that's blocked by debris. And the third item must be the cartridge. That's the yeah. one to just mm-hmm. open the exit door. Yeah, I feel a bit strange about blowing up a bomb in a space station usually not the most recommended thing. yeah that's not very realistic it, 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 you actually just uh, go to the debris and it drops the bomb and it, it blows up on your face but doesn't hurt you okay. it, it's not very realistic but it's okay yeah yeah just found it a bit funny so Seems... overall I, I really really like the, the, the how the game plays out it's very playable it's nice, it's long enough so to keep you there for a while and I like games that have simple simple rules but altogether they make for quite some complications. And this seems quite complicated to me. There's lots of little things so it, it seems um, a bit more intriguing and that it, it will keep me glued to the screen more compared to a simple, you know, Arkanoid sort of game because there's lots of things to, to think of. There's um, resource management. There's um, 
freeing the passageways, getting access, finding the discs. It um, it reminds me in some way of what I've played as well to, today. So yeah, it's um, seems seems interesting at least to me. So I, I definitely want to try this title for sure. I would definitely recommend it. And uh, as I said, it's uh, it's kind of down to the basics a little bit. Mm-hmm. Nothing too fancy. Um, I think the graphic and the audio is nice, although kind of limited. Like there's only two music tunes, really, one for the outdoor levels and one for the indoor levels. Now we've been heavily spoiled <laughs> With by <Dick's> the <laughs> yes, yes, How and many the in- was that? incredibly <laughs> rich soundtrack. Yeah, by the Kuma Brothers. So, <laughs> so it. But it's okay. It's okay. It's totally fine, and it totally fits with the standards of Commodore 64. I, I maybe I wished that the main character sprite was a little bit better because I love the aliens how they look like. But the player character, yeah, it's a little bit bland. Yeah, it looks a little bit rough. We're talking about details. It's, it's a human character, I think, but uh, it looks yeah, like I, a I blob. I noticed some similarities with the the player sprites of their other games. Mm. So maybe they want to keep some consistency between their games to make them more more recognizable. But I just wish they they did something a little better than that. Yeah, but uh, I think that this is definitely a company that uh, I want to keep an eye on. Vector 5 Games, of course. I'm biased because they're from Finland, <laughs> but uh, I, I tried other games of them except the Christmas-themed one. Those I'm, I'm keeping those for later on in the year. Yeah, but I can also briefly mention that some of their other games. At least there's there's one interesting called Jungle Joe. That Wee. that is actually quite difficult. It's very challenging in my opinion. It's a puzzle disguised as a platform. The themes. And the sprites are reminiscing a little bit of games like Rick Dangerous or Jungle Fever. But the game is not a platform. It's a puzzle disguised as a platform. So you have platforms, but really you solve each screen by thinking. Mm. You have to reach the exit of the screen. You have a limited number of sticks to build either ladders or bridges to reach other platforms. And uh, all the while by avoiding some jungle critters and some fixed hazards like water and spikes and so on. And uh, and I found many of those levels really, really hard to, do, to, to play. So mm-hmm. that's also another game I, I recommend. But I notice anyway that their earlier games tend to be very simple. There's a straightforward puzzle called Jump Out that in my opinion was even way too easy. Okay. Way, way too easy. But it, it seemed like they were experimenting and learning how to make a, a good game design. And there's another game called Night Trap that's kind of a cross between Pac-Man and Ladybug, classic maze-based games of the arcade era. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a different enough. So I liked it, but it's basically always the same level. Hmm. So it, it and it's another one of their earlier games. So this one that I reviewed for you today, Space Station 23, just came out a few weeks ago, really. And I can see that the 
the group, the team is going forward it's and ev- making evolving. more. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely learning how to make better and better games. So I really want to follow up and see what they come up with next. And I think you mentioned, did you mention MacGyver before? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They also just just released a teaser of another game they're working on. And, uh, oh God, I forgot the name of that. It's not MacGyver. Uh, it can't be MacGyver. Well, try the teaser and you tell me <laughs> what it is about. It, it has the, I can tell you, it has the MacGyver soundtrack. Hmm. Oh. So I'm pretty sure it will be a MacGyver game. I, I wonder I think if they it's... can do that. That's insane if they got the the license to use the MacGyver. Well, movie. you can just try and do it and see if there's a cease and desist letter yeah, yeah. going on. Because they are also a... like a Zelda game just released for Game Boy. It was also a homebrew. Really? So. That's right, yes. Oh my the God, CDI, they're going to uh, Nintendo. They, they, they remade the CDI version for Game Boy. There's like a Zelda game on CDI, and they make it for Game Boy, and it's just wait and see when they uh, they get uh, deleted. Uh, I I quickly downloaded it. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, because uh, <laughs> Nintendo is not known for being very lenient to people who use I their IP. Something to say that so. later on about okay. similar things. All right, so yeah, that's uh, sounds like a good game. I. I like when the when the teams evolve and make better and better games. Uh, I think you can see them mature, and uh, I really appreciate. I think I get, I guess, the more mature games from different teams. Um, so I want to try this one. Um, might try it with my son. He like he seems to be getting an interest into playing stuff with me, even if it's a bit retro. So that's good. I'll play so, it on the uh, stream probably. Yeah, we should do that as well. We haven't been streaming it, it, a lot again. It looks a bit like holiday. mini Zelda levels. Every mini level, Zelda. Every level is a, like a mini Zelda game, I think. It, oh. it looks a bit like that, but in space. So could be interesting. Yeah. Nice stuff. Nice stuff. Cool. Um, I think, well, you got three games, Guido. What, what do you want to start with? I'll start with Naps and Debs. Uh, I played that on uh, on my uh, vacation uh, on my little Mio Mini. It's an NES game. I think it yeah it released in 2019 and it's made by Dillahan Software, and it's a pretty famous one because it broke studio also uh, made a physical cartridge of it. So mm-hmm. uh, I bought that game I think a year ago and always wanted to check it out because it looks really cute. Uh, it does look really nice it's well made a, it's about a girl with an octopus on her head <laughs> I think <laughs> and, uh, oh, is that what that is I oh. think so yeah and um, when you look at the screenshots of the game you see it, it's familiar with, with the Wario series and I really love Wario with the dashing moves so I thought oh this is a good game and uh, it will be like Wario but uh, it's quite different so the main mechanic of this game, it's a platformer, but you don't, normally in a platformer like Mario, you jump on the enemy's head and then you kill them. But instead of uh, killing enemies like that, you have to uh, dash into them. And if you dash into them, your dash gets recharged and you can immediately dash again. And uh, that way you can navigate really quickly through levels because... Uh, uh, the the dash only re- 
regains its power if you dash through an enemy or land on the uh, on the ground again. And um, I think this game is like made for speedrunners or something because uh, yeah, the, the idea is thing, just yeah. keep on dashing, keep on uh, collecting uh, items, and keep on dashing through the enemy so you can dash again, so you can keep your velocity. And uh, it's also hard as nails. I, I I like my tough games, but this was just maybe because of the unique mechanics. I couldn't get really used to it, and also right, I I, I couldn't finish it. I, I I used save states, and even then I couldn't finish it. Sometimes there was like Ooh. for the difficult parts of the the levels, there was a uh, life pickup, so you can retry all the time, but. Yeah, it, like the first level is already pretty hard, and the second level is like still doable, but then it starts off like crazy. And there's twelve levels. It's uh, I maybe went went until the eighth or the ninth level, and I I couldn't continue this game. So uh, yeah, it's not for me. So I I only wanted to mention this game shortly. Uh, if if okay. you really like brutal games and uh, unique platformers. It looks really good. It sounds really good, and it's a really polished game. But mechanically, it's really difficult, and it's maybe uh, it's not for the faint of heart. So uh, it's right. like one it does remind one kill. Me. So if you're not dashing and you touch an enemy, you're instantly dead, you're and dead. you have to play the level again. And uh, if you're not lucky, then you're game over, and then you have to play the whole game over again. So it's oh my god, yeah, it's it's really tough. So um, yeah, I liked it, but it was too difficult. So I think I was just going to say the mechanic that you're talking about, keep that, it kind of encourages you to keep on dashing. When you said it, I thought about Tanza for the Mega Drive that we talked about. Mm -hmm. And that kind of encourages you to keep on going ahead and bouncing off enemies as well to make more points. So I just wanted to say that because it just reminded me of that really. Yeah. The, the but yeah. Mechanically, it's really unique. and <laughs> But it's also yeah hard to get used to. And... I never got really used to it, and I, I I'm I already heard it was a difficult game, and and even I think there's a yeah if you beat this game there's even a hard mode. <laughs> oh, good lord, no! <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm quite interested if there's speed runs of this game, but because I I probably see people fly through this game uh, really quickly, and uh, then it's probably really fun. But uh, for me, it's like really frustrating. So uh, I'm, mm, I'm. I guess the learning just, curve is a bit too too high. Yeah, so I I, I quit playing it, unfortunately, because I wanted to like okay. it. Um, then I played Loop Tris Plus. Nice. And that nice was game. a way nice more chill experience. I played it on stream, and uh, Andy was with me. <laughs> and uh, what was I? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Did you forget? Okay, oh it's a game God, which released uh, late uh, 2022. Uh, and it's made by Blastar, and it's a really mysterious yeah. guy because I can't find him on Twitter or any social, but I'm, I only can find it on his Patreon. And um, it's basically Tetris, but instead of a, a flat uh, playing board, you have a, a cylinder, which is also looping. So uh, the right side is looping with the left side, so it's a closed cylinder. And yeah, that's about it. It's just Tetris. Uh, yeah. Uh, so there's how more, how more difficult is it or easier to, is it compared well, to the, Tetris? The, the difference with 
the difference with Tetris, normally you have a really good oversight of what you're doing. You can see the whole playing field and you can see, okay, I'm stacking here uh, to make uh, a well to the right so I can make a nice uh, Tetris or like the, drop the long bar in and make a four line clear. But uh, because of the cylindrical um, um, concept. Uh, concept, you see half of the playing board you can't see because it's on the back of the cylinder. You, you, so you have to remember. Yeah, so you have to remember, okay, I'm making a well somewhere <laughs> on the back of the playing field and I'm stacking on the front of the playing field. And then when you get the long bar, then you think, oh, I have that well, I'm going to turn the cylinder and uh, yeah, and uh, make that Tetris. So um, yeah, it's more about playing the game in your head than normal Tetris because yeah, you have to really have to use your memory to what you're doing. And I, I forgot to mention, by the way, this game is made on the Neo Geo, which is really nice. fitting because it, um, I think it's focused on the two-player mode. Uh, you also can play against the CPU, and when yeah. I don't know if you guys ever played uh, Tetris uh, against each other. Yeah, yeah. Like I know you, you gain some extra blocks if you manage to create if you manage to clear more lines. The player, the other player, gets like a blocking lines or something. Yeah, on the bottom they get uh, uh, yeah, yeah. A garbage. They call that. Uh, yeah, so yeah. if you uh, make a Tetris on the on your own side. Four, uh, that's four lines. Then they get three lines of garbage on on their side, and that's like a back and forth to, and whoever uh, goes in the top of the screen first, they lose. So uh, yeah, I really love that. I always play Tetris uh, with my wife as well, and uh, we were <laughs> really Tetris nuts in the in the family. So uh, that made this game against the CPU incredibly easy for me. I uh, oh, I played right. it first on normal mode, and it was like really easy and then I thought okay I'll play on hard mode and I'll clear cleared that one as well the first time I played it so um, I think the CPU isn't yeah it's just more like a training thing but I think this okay. ma this game is really uh, made for an arcade cap it would be really great to have this running on an arcade cap it also has a really nice um, attract mode yeah attract it, it mode. really yeah, has yeah. A, a nice attract mode so uh, you see uh, the, the game already being played uh, and you think, oh, I want to play this, I think, when it's on an arcade cap. And I think yeah, it's, yeah, really made, it's really made for two players. You can play against each other. And yeah, I think that this will be a really nice game to play shortly in an arcade uh, situation. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really well done. But unfortunately... How I are the controls? The controls are, yeah, uh, like you would expect for a Tetris game, just really well. Well, uh, hang on a minute, because on Tetris, you move the pieces left and right, mm -hmm. can't you? And then you can turn them and then you drop them. Yeah, you, can, right? you can turn them uh, clockwise with one button and counterclockwise with another button. That's normal for yeah. Tetris. And uh, So when you press left and right, you turn the cylinder instead. Is that right? Yeah, it's really strange when there's nothing yet oh, on, the, okay. on the playing field. And you turn left, you press left and right. Nothing happens because there's nothing on the playing field uh, uh, yet. But you're always your Tetris. Your view is always centered on the cylinder. And when you turn left and right, then the cylinder moves. But actually, you move your tetromino. I think. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I it's know what really you mean. weird. Yeah. But uh, when you, it's really 
playable when you play when you play it's really uh, intuitive it's n- never think you are confused and uh yeah i picked it up and played it really easily i think it didn't have hard drop with modern not modern uh, tetris games has have hold so you can hold one piece uh for later and oh. uh and g- get it back and this one doesn't have that and also it's more traditional yeah, and also okay. it doesn't have hard drop so you can hard drop is when you press up then it then it drops instantly to the bottom of the screen uh doesn't have that you have to wait yeah so you have to wait or press down and then it goes quicker so it's quite an old-fashioned tetris game uh and that's because apparently blaster made it 10 years ago and oh I it see. was just cancelled and now he decided to release it uh, later on and uh yeah it's a really phenomenal game and it's free on his patreon so i think especially if you're an arcade owner or have or have an arcade or an uh or a neo geo arcade somewhere standing around i would suggest to install this game and uh and let everybody play on it because it's really easy to pick up and play and it's really an original spin on tetris pun intended <laughs> being, a, being on the Neo Geo, I was just wondering how's the music because Neo Geo was one of the platforms which had the best music in my memories at the time. I, I think it only has one uh, audio track, but it was fine, but it wasn't not repetitive, mem- memorable. No. It wasn't, oh, okay. I, I didn't think it was super memorable, but it was just fine. And like I said, I think in an arcade situation, that would be a great track to hear as well. It also has the, like the, the, um, the scorekeeping, so you can put in your init- initials if you have uh, a high score. So it's, mm. yeah, it's a really nice arcade game. And uh, yeah, for everybody who only casually likes to play Tetris, this is a nice different way to play it. And um, yeah, I would suggest to try it out. And uh, especially if you have uh, someone to play against. I'm thinking this could be like a good high score challenge thing, but maybe not against the CPU, but maybe in pairs. But I wonder, first of all, is it free only for Patreons or can you find it legally, let's say? Um, it's just free to download on this Patreon. So, uh, okay. uh, so you don't have to be a patron no, to no, download no. it. And, uh, and okay. also there's also um, not only a, a versus mode, but you can also play it uh, uh, like the marital Limitless. mode. So yeah, so you keep going. You can keep going until you top out, and uh, but yeah, I always think mar- like the normal endless modes are really boring because they're really endless for me because it goes quicker yeah, and yeah, quicker. Yeah. But if you're good enough at Tetris, then it's almost impossible to top out, uh, even when it almost gets instant uh, drop. So yeah, I Sounds think cool. it's not really a game for playing it endlessly i think it's really made to play it versus which is yeah if it worked with the network that would be amazing because you could uh we could do players player versus player over the network that'd be cool i don't know if there is a uh, like an emulator for a neo geo with which port internet um, multiplayer that would be amazing yeah 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 so uh, try and see so yeah nice. after this uh, i was really quickly done with this game and i thought uh, it sparkled my Tetris itch <laughs> and I thought okay now I have to scratch it harder than, than this <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so I downloaded Epitris on the GBA uh, yeah. and that's a game which is in active development 
and that is like the definitive Tetris experience, uh, if you ask me. If you're really a Tetris nerd like me, you would really, really love this game. It's like <laughs> that that guy, he just researched every version of Tetris and implemented it in this game. So all this... What's his name? Sorry. Uh, that guy. Yeah, it, it's, it's, I think it's Greek. <laughs> it's A. Kuzukos, I think. I think Kozokos. Kozokos. Yeah. I think, I think okay. uh, I'll probably butcher his name. And uh, I think G he's on our Discord server as well, isn't he? So, yeah, that's a GBA game. And he researched probably every version of Tetris. And there are so many modes in this game. If you like NES Tetris, you can choose uh, the rule set of NES Tetris. If you like uh, Tetris the Grandmaster on, in the arcade, you can choose those rule sets. You can play like every version Tetris out there, and uh, and also it's really customizable. So you can change the look of it. You can change uh, the colors. You can change. You can change the rule sets. You can. It's crazy. It's really like the definitive Tetris experience. And if you're like a Tetris nerd like me, you really should play this game. It's it's crazy. But this game uh, got a copyright strike because it's so good. Uh, the Tetris company closed down uh, the GitHub of the game because it was open source, but now you can't find it anymore. Also, the itch.io is also suspended now. And now they made oh a God. site just appertris.com and uh, you can still download it there until it's not, I don't know. But yeah, uh, it's really unfortunate. Who, who's... Who's the Tetris company? Who owns the IP of Tetris? Do you know? Uh, well, Tetris company is, I think, uh, like Alexei uh, Pajitnov, the original creator of Tetris, the Russian guy. I think he's one of them. And uh, he owns the Tetris company. And I think another, I, I don't know, but there, there are, I think, two oh, yeah. owners. There is a company. There's a Tetris company. Yeah, they, they, the Tetris they control company. the, the rule set. Uh, Every Tetris game which releases nowadays, for example, uh, Tetris Effect and Tetris 99, new Tetris games, they uh, they also yeah, yeah. Um, uh, check if the rule set is is correct. For example, the the current um, Tetris rules are that you use not pure randomization of the Tetris bricks, but you use, the, for example, the the seven back rules so every time uh it gets randomized the the tetronominals you will get will get randomized by making a bag of s the seven different uh tetronominals and then it gets uh distributed to you so you never if you're waiting for a long bar for example you never wait longer than 14 uh uh, Tetrominos to drop because this randomization. Well, for example, the NES Tetris had a pure randomization, so you could, you could wait uh, forever. You could wait forever, or maybe get ten in a row. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, and the Tetris company really uh, checks if you use the correct randomization. But for example, also you now can do a T spin when you drop uh, a T shaped Tetromino you can still turn it around and spin it into place, even when it looks like it, you couldn't. 
stuff like that. And you get bonus points of that. And also co- convoy points. And there's just a lot of rules in Tetris. And uh, mm. they always check when a modern Tetris game released that it follows the correct rules. And of course, this game doesn't because uh, you could choose these rules, but you can also choose the Tetris Grandmaster rules with different randomization. You can also play the NES rules uh, with pure randomization. Uh, so, yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know why they decided to get after this game because it's only a GBA game. <laughs> And how many people are playing this? Uh, and there's still like a lot of free Tetris games, but it seems that they're very, very active into like protecting their IP. I, I'm reading here just like uh, they started off immediately with cease and desist letters uh, for Tetris clones, and then in 2008 also they had to remove a Tetris a Tris. It's called, it's called Tris, a clone of Tetris from the App Store. And then they su- they sued the the guy, be associate operator of the um, OMG Pop Gaming Portal because one of the if it's multiplayer games, Blockies was too similar to Tetris. And again, they sued for someone. My God, they sued everyone in May 2010. <laughs> uh, they they sent a, um, a violation notice regarding Tetris clones on the Android store. And again, in 2011, they closed a lot of stuff. They've been really. Protective, yeah, yeah, of course. If, if everybody is me. using their Tetris stuff, then maybe they lose Incredible. their license, they lose their property. So they yeah. probably that's why they are so protective. But like, come on, it's a GBA game. <laughs> it's mm. it's not that everybody is playing on their GBA. So I don't know why they are so protective about this. But yeah, what I said, uh, I'm not playing any other Tetris game any more than this game it's it's so good the only you have one of the last uh, copies remaining now <laughs> <laughs> now well, you can still download it fortunately and you can also buy i don't know if you can still buy it but they also sold the physical edition uh, of this game maybe that's the problem um, yeah maybe that's uh, and it's still an active de- development so they're still coming out new modes and stuff and I, he also worked on a pc version he said so maybe uh, maybe that's also Getting a, becoming a problem. So the only gripe I have with this game, uh, I really like the multiplayer Tetris, and the you can do a link cable uh, two-player, but it's really limited. It's only one game and only the normal mode, and it's really like really basic. And I would have wished you could make competitions and best of fives and play all the different modes and stuff like that. And that's. That's the only thing which is a bit undercooked. But yeah, what I said, it's still in active development, hopefully. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. hopefully uh, that will uh, be better soon. And then uh, then uh, I can delete every other Tetris version I have on my Switch and, <laughs> and Game Boys and stuff uh, and play this forever because it's so good. Nice. And the music yeah. is also um, good, by the way. <laughs> so it's really nice uh, I'm not a test I'm not Tetris nut I, I wouldn't I don't know I'm not that sort of gamer I think Diego's more into Tetris than I am Ma, not really to be honest um, I have played a few variants back in the 90s I remember there were some DOS variants uh, usually I kind of got bored quite quickly by mm. Tetris game because of its uh, repetitiveness mm. yeah and uh, but I, I would probably enjoy a variant that has some 
extra rules like items you can collect for special bonuses or something like that but the base games i'm not sure but the loop trees at least that you mentioned changes things around quite quite nicely with geometry mm. and and i immediately thought about block out oh, a yeah. game i had in the 90s <clears throat> for the amiga which was simply a 3d version of tetris and the the, the bricks will drop down i think that's Right. Yeah. You have to... Yes, it had a top-down view, so you would you would see them dropping down mm-hmm. from where you are into the screen, and it was very difficult because clearly you can't always see what's what's empty below certain oh, yeah. blocks. That was that was a very nice idea, significantly different. So I can imagine it could not have been infringing anything there because that geometry was really really different. Yeah, but for example, you have uh, if you don't like regular uh, just stacking blocks in Apertris, you have for example uh, uh, combo mode, and then you have a, a, a big well in the middle of the screen, uh, and you have to keep on uh, every drop you do, you have to at least clear one line with your uh, tetromino, or else the game stops. So the, the idea is to make as long as combo as possible. And another uh, option is, for example, dig, and then you have to a really big stack of already uh, debris, and you have to dig down until to the bottom. Uh, you have survival, which is like uh, there's stuff coming, like the, the um, what we talked about two player. Yeah, there's always garbage coming from down the screen, and you have to go down quickly. And, until you top out, so you have to really try to survive. It's really hard, by the way. Uh, what I said, this is for the experienced Tetris player. But um, yeah, there's a lot of modes. Uh, not even a training mode. I haven't tried that. I don't know what it is, but uh, there's something like called... They, they keep all kind of stats in this game. When you're done playing, you can press the L button and see all the stats about your last game. And there's stuff like finesse... There's like a finesse. Yeah, yeah. Finesse is how much you uh, turn your tetromino before you drop it, because for example, you can turn uh, 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 clockwise and counterclockwise, and some people press three times clockwise to get to the correct position. Well, if you you can also use one counterclockwise, and that's a better finesse. So. There's a lot of crazy stats going on and, and the stuff like, okay, let's try to get better finesse. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here and uh, yeah, it's it's crazy and it's so good and I hope it will continue in the future and I will also have to search around the web to play this game and I hope the guy yeah. doesn't get in any trouble for this. Uh, it's crazy that you get oh. in trouble for playing, making a great game. It's just stupid. But this uh, this copyright thing or whatever it is that they took it down, it's just a very recent, isn't it? So It's um, like a week ago. So let's hope everything goes all right. Um, yeah, you can talk to the dev on our Discord as well uh, if you want. Yeah, to. and their he Discord is, is crazy active with, uh, with the Tetris nerds suggesting new uh, modes and uh, all the little intricacies which you need to get, get fixed to make it even more perfect it's it's really crazy if you get there it's it's a level beyond even me <laughs> nerding out on tetris which is great but 
at least it relaxes you. I get just get panicked. <laughs> yeah, I play Tetris to relax. I play Tetris to really chill out. Even when it goes quickly, I'm I'm just like really zoned out. My my brain gets turned off and I just keep on playing. It's really one of the most relaxing games I I ever played. It's great. But I also play it for yeah. 30 years, so that's maybe why I can't do that. I mean, I just get panicked and just quit. <laughs> Rage quit or something. I don't know. Just breathe in. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's good. I think um, we can talk about now uh, what I've been playing. So I've been playing um, two games, really. Um, one is a mod- it's called a modern game. It's not. I don't think it's modern anymore, but um, <laughs> I've uh, fished from the barrel my old StarCraft licenses and installed them. Uh, StarCraft 2 I'm talking about. I should be... I played a bit of StarCraft to the first one on my Pentium. Then I did nearly finished. I'm just missing the last mission of the Terran campaign. So my plan is to go through all the campaign of StarCraft 2 and finish it once for all because I've never finished it all. Mm. I won't do online because people will absolutely butcher me if I try that. Yeah, those people are some crazy. <laughs> nuts. I, I bought that game when it released, StarCraft 2. Yeah. And I played it maybe for mm-hmm. 10 minutes. <laughs> And then forgot I got it. And I never played oh. it again. Well, I loved StarCraft 1. I played it a lot. But somehow I never got to StarCraft 2. And I I, I paid like 60 euros back then. And I My think it's now goodness. now it's free. <laughs> I think you can. No, it's not free. It's, oh, it's not, not free. free. I wish it were free. Oh. oh, the first one is. But the second oh, one okay. I'm talking about. The second one yeah, is yeah, not the free. Story. Okay, uh, I thought that one was free as well. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it's unfortunate. But you say oh. it's uh, still worth it to play the single player campaign? It depends if you like RTSs. Yeah. I love them. So, yeah, I, I I totally... And also, you can get it all for a bundle now. I think everything, I think, is £23. Uh, but I had already bought the Terran campaign for, I don't know, 12 or something. And then I've slowly added on when they're on special offer. I don't, you know... Oh, yeah, but when you bought... That's what, that's what what I thought. Uh, when I bought it, I bought everything. It was just like the first ah, yeah, release. Yeah. I think it was just all the campaigns. But I think oh, they, they they split okay. it up later and then you can play one campaign for right. free. I don't know right. anymore, but uh, I'll have to look into that. The prologue, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Terran is free. I don't remember. It's a very complicated uh, way of doing things. Also because you've got different prices. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> so in, in terms of uh, units that you can build, mm-hmm. how does it compare with the original StarCraft? I, I played that one for ages, but I never moved on to StarCraft 2. I just tried the demo when it came out, but but do you think there is a lot more available units, or about the same? What's your feeling? Uh, because I don't remember, I wouldn't be able to say. The, the idea, I think there, is, there are more, for example, air units. I think they've got some more um, land units. I think in the, I, I might be completely wrong on this, so please uh, do not... Uh, take this as as the truth at all i don't think firebats was something in um in the in starcraft one i think we had yeah uh, they were they flamethrower oh yeah then i see i told you i don't remember i played a little bit of starcraft one then i just completely gone to starcraft 2 really um so i don't really remember i need to play uh the starcraft uh, one again but um i'm sure all the i don't i don't think all the ships are there there's quite a few ships. There's also some, uh, how do you say, ground units that move around. The siege tank was there. 
there's some there's a helion um, which might have been there then there's some others but i don't remember all the names of all of them i don't use them all as well i'm pretty sure the hercules wasn't there which is a, a spaceship that can transport a lot of units and i don't think the Medi medivac was there either which is a again another air unit that can heal up to two uh, units at the same time doesn't ring a bell and it can yeah, I, I, I'm sure they've put more units in it. I yeah, just, they, they know. we would do have to do like a, a special episode for that, but it's not really retro at this. Well, at least not StarCraft Two. I wouldn't. Well, retro. I think it's retro now. <laughs> it's it's eh. been it's been more than ten years. I think. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But um, I'm I'm playing it on a modern computer, yeah. and it's still it's, yeah, it's good though. I really like uh, RTSs, so that's why there's um this guy Mike Mikhail. Uh, on our Discord server, who is building R an RTS for the Spectrum, or what, what initially I thought was going to be an RTS for the Spectrum. And in the Work in Progress channel, he's posting all these videos, and they re look really nice. Mm. I think he was building Torn Metal in the beginning, which was an RTS for the ZX Spectrum, which looked amazing. And now it's kind of changed the scope, or he's changed it completely, I'm not too sure. And uh, it's building like a... Um, a buggy sort of chase with with shooting or something but um, yeah a car combat game or something mm. yeah 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 uh, it's been a, fan. a little bit of a genre you don't hear a lot of anymore like the classic rts games i think mm, yeah. it's it's a little bit gone i think there's more i don't know i'm, I'm not into those games anymore but at that time, there was like Command and Conquer, Dune, yeah, 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 Starcraft, Warcraft, stuff like that. And nowadays, you, it's just a little bit silence from from that front. I think there's not yeah. a real good one now. I don't know. I maybe, maybe I think they're difficult to implement. I think maybe 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 later on, as Diego say, maybe the people will, the companies will evolve and get bigger and better, and they until uh, they might approach something like that. I think balancing those games is the crucial part. Yeah. So. Uh, that will take probably a long time, so people don't invest too much in that because it's uh, a very long process to make a game like that. But we'd, it would be amazing if they did, though. <clears throat> yep. So yeah, been playing lots of that, uh, enjoying that uh, a lot again. And then I've been playing um, a game from Retrotainment HQ. Um, so I've been playing Full Quiet, which has been already you know played by a bunch of people. I know there's uh, loads of people who already played it. And there's a lot of uh, talk about it, so I thought I'll I'll have a look at what all the fuss is about. And Retrotainment HQ is a company in Pittsburgh, in West Virginia, if I am not mistaken. And I approached this game. I knew it was big, but I didn't really understand the scope of it. And the story behind this is that you are. A father whose son has been kidnapped and you need to go and find him again in in a nutshell and you don't know where he's gone so you go through a forest initially at least a forest and then i don't know i mean i will start by by going through the how the mechanics are of the game so it's like an adventure gated exploration as you like to call them i think and mm. and you go around as a bearded guy with a gun initially and a backpack and uh, you have to basically go and find your son and make your way through different areas of the game and um, you are stopped in your course by different weird creatures that you don't know what they are there they, they do they do look a bit eerie and, uh, and scary if you think about them and um, 
yeah, you have to basically keep going. It's like a, an undiscovered map. So you have to, as you say, explore this map and find the paths that lead you to the next area. And in order to do so, there is a, a nice mechanic in place, which I've never seen probably on, on an NES, uh, which is a night and day. So the time actually progresses and you can see it by the change of color. So while you of, of everything. So while you're playing, you can see suddenly all the palette changes a little bit and becomes, I don't know, more yellow and then it goes really dark. And you have to get safe before, I think, 2 a.m. in the morning. Mm. And if you don't do that, you get killed by uh, possibly what I assume to be an, an alien entity. So it gets a bit eerie that way, let's say. And it is incredible. I mean, this game, I mean... The vastity of how big it is is just overwhelming. Um, all the different areas that you can go and explore and see the different um, the graphic style and all. But anyways, um, let's leave that in, in in a moment. So you got to find your son, and in order to do that, you I think the aim of the game is as well that you need to make the forest safe and return the quiet to the forest. And to do so, you basically need to activate some relays. And to activate those relays, um, you have to find certain codes. And again, you have this limitation of time that you need to go somewhere in a shack, they call them. Find the shack where you can rest and save the game, which is a, a very good thing that they've implemented. And then find these Morse codes, which are throughout all the game, and put them into certain machines that you'll find around. And you will trigger some interesting things that happen. And at the end, if you possibly, I haven't reached this point, so I don't know, but if you activate all the relays, then you will be safe to go around at night as well. I am not sure about this because I haven't done it yet, but it's what the game implies. So the game being so big has an enormous map that you can scroll. It has an inventory. It definitely oozes a lot of uh, modern game mechanics, modern game concepts rather than mechanics. The mechanics, I think they're... They're still like uh, old school, but the balance they've uh, drawn between this, the, this the new concept and the old mechanics is really, really good, uh, I think, personally. And in this, the inventory is massive. So you've got uh, tools, you've got weapons, um, and you have to use all these in order to basically find your son, which, again, I will point out, I haven't finished yet. So this, this, this these aliens or what they seem to be aliens or monsters uh, are very different. So most of them respawn. So if you go from one screen to another, then and you go back, they will respawn. The screens are sometimes they're single screens. Sometimes they scroll to a certain point and then they stop and you get to a single screen. It's a uh, very varied that way. And as this bearded man, you can jump, shoot. And then you can, um, how do you say, dodge, roll? Um, don't really know the term for really, that. Yeah, really. that's dodge, roll. That's really useful. Yeah. Uh, and basically, that's what there is to it in a nutshell. But the reality of it is that it is very complicated to get somewhere because you are ostracized by all these monsters coming out. And the monsters are changed based on what location you're in as well. There's all sorts of puzzles scattered throughout the levels as well. So you have, for example, some beacons you have to activate in a certain order. And most of the times it's a, a Morse code that you heard somewhere. 
and you have to write them down while I, I write them down. So I played this game with my son. He thoroughly enjoyed it and we we think we want to continue playing it as well together after after the podcast is done because it's uh, it's very fun. Um, so, it's so complicated, this game. <laughs> I, I played it a little it for an hour, I think, or two maybe with uh, with a calm uh, like a bob-omb. Yeah. He's also playing through this. And I think he, yeah, yeah, already, so, he already said he got 30 hours in the game or something and he wasn't even close to in finishing it because it's so much riddles and you have to search yeah. everywhere for little things, little switches in the forest. And it, yeah, it's, yeah, it, yeah. it's so crazy uh, detailed, this game. It's, it's uh, uh, yeah, uh, even in modern games, you, indie games, you don't see this weirdly deep and detailed stuff sometimes so it's it's so, such a weird game for the nes because yeah because um, because you you don't see this stuff in the nes normally i i agree uh yeah and i i i'll take the occasion to send a massive shout out to calm like a bomb because he's been helping me as well um look at look out and finding things uh on you know how to progress certain areas, um, finding the dynamite and stuff like that. And as you say, yeah, it is a very very ambitious game. I mean, I have never seen such a big game, and it doesn't obviously come without any flaws. But um, overall, it's one of the best games I've played. I mean, it's really really big. It's it's engaging. It's not. It is difficult, but it's not overly difficult. No, no. And the save spots make it really not panicky so you, you you will panic so the way i approach this game is i try to find the next shack immediately just try and get as further as far as further as i can to find the next rest place and usually in there there is a bed and there is uh, which is a safe spot where you can uh, re once you you can sleep on the bed and you can regain all your health and then you can save on the bed and then you can um, get some supplies. And the way you do that is a bit using a mini puzzle that well, I will explain shortly. And then there usually is a, a machine in there, like a Morse code machine, which you have to tune in every shack. And to do the tuning, you turn it on. Usually you need fuses. So uh, <laughs> it's a big thing about this game is fuses. So you need to find loads of fuses because you need fuses for everything. You need fuses for these machines. And then... Uh, you need fuses for other uh, terminals around the game that open doors and stuff. And so basically you're on a constant hunt for fuses. I'm always run out. And the way you do find fuses, you find them lying around in the world or you shoot monsters and they drop a fuse or a rope or something else and and you collect these fuses. So the way you find a shack is from exploring. And usually the shacks are powered down and you have to repair them in one of these terminals that you find on your explorations, on the platforming exploration. And to do so, you basically go, go to a terminal, press the up arrow, and then you, obviously um, I think you have to use a fuse and then yeah. you can start repairing. And on the, it's a little mini game basically repairing, which is very similar to Bioshocks, uh, if anyone knows. Yeah, um, or Pipe Dream. Yeah, where you have like the yeah the water, and you have to kind of make it um, connect. How do you say? Uh, yeah, you have to make the flow get to the end of the of the of the puzzle area, let's say. And the way you do that again, you get random pieces, and you can turn them around. And you have a timer there. Plus, it starts bugging out, so you get little patches and uh, 
on on this like tiled map where you actually put the bits of the circuit in and then you get repair icons that you can use on these patches it's quite frantic but it's not too bad i mean if i can do it anyone can do it <laughs> and i've been able to do loads of them up to now without getting you know penalties if you get it wrong i think it takes some health yep. off and uh, if you do it right, it does nothing. But if you do it right and include a special tile that's got a heart as well in it, so you make it part of your circuit, then you get a health boost as well, which is really nice. And then let's say you open the shack and you go in the shack and you find this bed, you find the machine, usually some stairs that go down into some different place based on the shack. And you can do the actions I said before on the bed. And then you get this little machine where you have to put a fuse in and then tune it in with a dial and you dial it with a D-pad. So you turn the D-pad around like it was like a, I don't know, a joystick. You say you turn knob. it around and it will turn. Yeah. yeah. It was a knob. <laughs> <laughs> and then you reach a frequency and you can hear the dots and the and the pauses and the hyphens, they call, I don't know, the long signal and the short signal. And what I do usually is I write that down. And then you input that code on another little machine that you'll find around that will unlock something else. <laughs> it's just a bit mental. Yeah, it's a lot it's of stuff going on. Absolutely. I, I, when on my playthrough, I felt, how do I... I, I was lucky that uh, Calm Like a Bobomb was with me and he could explain stuff because I literally wouldn't get anywhere in this game if he wasn't there for me to help. It's so much yeah. little things you have to do micromanage and to just progress in this game and uh, yeah, yeah partly that's fun but also i could see that could get frustrating quickly if you don't have the attention span i think it, yeah you might be right it might not be for everyone i thought it wasn't going to be for me in fact when i started playing it here at home i thought oh i mean oh, what am i going to do here you know so I put it upon myself to just basically go to the next shack every time, just find, and I think you can do that without exploring it all. So it can be pretty straightforward if you want to do it. You know, you can just rush to the next one. Go yeah, to sleep. if you can find it. Yeah, yeah, but uh, if you can't find it, you can reload and test another mm. Path. another route. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah. So it's interesting that you sometimes you see the shack in in the background when in the par yeah. parallax scrolling and then you think oh I have to go north now or I have to go into the screen and go back or something to get to that shack so you can uh, already see it if you look closely which is which yeah. is one of the things which are so crazy detailed when you for example are in the other end of the map you can see the start of the game really far in the background in the parallax scrolling and and it's also it's it's just so crazy beautifully artfully made that it's yeah uh, they thought about everything i feel yeah i totally agree there's loads of little hints um around the game that will tell you for example this monster can't can't see you but this monster can hear you so when you see him stay still and you have to read all those if you want to get somewhere as well otherwise you won't know what to do i mean there's a lot of jumping as well so you need to hang on to ledges and do some special jumps that you need to learn which i found not so not always so consistent with using i'm playing on real hardware so um using the d-pad it's a bit hard sometimes to keep a consistent jump it's a bit difficult to explain but mm. 
anyways, you have also a gun. And I'll use this to, to explain a bit because it's the same sort of mechanic you're doing there. So when you're shooting, you can shoot in every direction. So you can shoot, well, yeah, probably also down. I've never tried down, but uh, left and right. And then you go upwards and the diagonals. You can crouch as well and shoot by crouching. So when you, to crouch, you press down twice and then you can, stay, he stays crouched and then you can shoot around and that avoids some enemies that come at your level, etc. But what I do usually is I go around with my gun pointed diagonally to um, upwards. So any enemies that come, I can just shoot them. But it's very hard to keep that direction on the D-pad mm. because it's, you know, it's a four. So you have to press two buttons and it's very difficult. And the same thing goes for jumping. Sometimes you can see the gun goes down. Oh, I'm not pressing hard enough on the up, you know. Mm. And when you are actually jumping to from one ledge to another with a, I don't know how I call it, like, flying jump i call it so you so you can hang on to objects by pressing up and then if you press up and forward like you're shooting and jump then he will do like a special like flying jump and he jumps further and then you can hang on to another object and you oh. can get certain places like a bridge or something my son calls it parkouring <laughs> <laughs> he, he loves to do it um so that that is a bit of a controlling problem for me when I'm doing that. But I mean, overall, it it, it is a you know a, a small defect. If, if it's you want, maybe but, overly uh, ambitious sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And there's loads of puzzles of of things going up and down, and you have to hang on it. They've got a timer, so you have to rush to the other side before it closes, and it can be very very hard. So I think yesterday I had my son help me out on some of the this parkouring action because you have to hang on a I think on a triangle shaped ring and then you have to rush to the other side doing all this parkouring jumps and hanging and really quickly before the pillar basically goes back up, up one of the pillars and it can be very hard so we tried that several several times so it can also get very frustrating um, so in general this is as I said a very very big game I probably haven't seen half of that yet. Uh, there's a lot of hints, as I said, um, scattered around. There are some enemies that respawn, some enemies that don't. You have this gun, which has infinite ammo. So if you, you can get to a certain point with the, this gun. So it's good that you can do most of the things with a gun only, but for certain areas, I think you need a different um, weapon. So there's, I think, a shotgun, and I found a submachine gun, maybe, I think it was called. And there are, for example, some big monsters that you find later on in the swamp that come like a bomb uh, told me about um, that, for example, they're very hard to kill. You can just about kill them with a gun. And I've developed my this finger so quick in shooting. <laughs> now my son's like, oh, you're so quick. I just empty a mag in like one second. But then he has to reload every time. So this is another thing you have to keep in mind when you're shooting and you finish the mag. He has, it takes about probably one second to reload uh, the cartridge. And that second you're vulnerable. So you have to be very careful. And as soon as you go out of the screen and you go back in, if certain enemies are not dead, they will be still there. One of these monsters, the swamp monsters, as I said, you can barely kill it with a gun uh, before, because maybe there's a scroll range. So you can go back, shoot him, recharge, go back, shoot him, recharge three or four times. I don't remember properly, but then he's dead. And these sort of monsters don't respawn, but you don't know that unless you've got a manual. So the manual is quite important in that respect. It gives you a lot of background information and also 
gives you this sort of information that you would not know. That's probably why they only sell it pro uh, physically. Uh, yes. Because you really need that manual. Well, they could give the PDF, couldn't they? I'm always, I'm always very True, digital in this. Um, yeah. So, anyways, this uh, this particular monster needs, for for example, later on you go in one screen. Uh, so there's like a a spiral sort of level where you keep going in, in in to reach. I think a Radio Shack. I haven't reached it yet. And there's one screen that is a one screener only, and the swamp monster, this very hard to kill swamp monster, comes out, and you can shoot as as quick as you can, but you don't have enough time to unload four rounds of mags on him. So then he, if he touches you, he pushes you out the screen, and then when you come back, he comes out again, and he's got full energy. So there you need a different weapon. And that's where I hit my first barrier, where actually I need an item to progress that I haven't found. And to find that, again, it's hints and uh, terminals and fuses that you have to find, and I would just uh, add as well, there's some vantage points that you can use and you'll find them, uh, they're not always immediately visible, but there's like a, a telescope holder and you find a telescope and with that you can look at stuff in the distance and see switches you can press and then you can actually go to these locations which are, I think, geographically, let's say, in the same location that you looked at. From a game perspective, it's always left to right and then there's some little little areas where you can go up and down. It's done very well, you know, it's uh, overall. It's, uh, it's really weird incredible that you go game. from left to right all the time, but if you change a path, you always see in the bottom of the screen if you're going from north to south or from west to east. So if you change a path, you can, you see, uh, for example, that you suddenly go from uh, west to east and you can see also see that on, on your map. And so that way you can walk through a three-dimensional space but yeah it, yeah but it's it's 2d but it's it's really weird i've never seen that before in uh, another game but it's really interesting yeah. that you can make that map that way that you can also go Navigate to north it. and east and south and west <laughs> it's, it's it's weird it's uh but uh, yeah and also that makes it extra complicated sometimes that you don't know where to go and Another issue I had was that because you only have two buttons on your NES controller, they use mm -hmm. the start button for the dodge roll. Roll, yeah. Uh, and that's obviously pretty easy to use because it's next to your action buttons. But then select is your menu button. And that felt really yeah. counterintuitive. I always press start to get into the menu, but... Obviously, then you roll, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> and then you roll into a, into a cliff or something. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, so it's hard to get used to. Uh, I thought, but uh, yeah, obviously, it's maybe too ambitious for the NES, but uh, they made it work. Yeah, I think um, I got used to the controls quite quite well, quite quickly. So I didn't have that sort of problem. I I kind of. Did that, and let's just mention that when you dodge roll, you're kind of invulnerable. Um, so you, the enemy, some enemies, not all, some enemies can't hit you. And um, and yeah, as you said, it's um, it's a very ambitious game. It has a lot of stuff going for it. So if we go into more technical details, I think like as you said, the art style is really incredible. And I notice that more when I take screenshots of the game and I post them. And I think 
wow, that's an NES. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's really, really nice. And all the locations are different. There's a lot of parallax scrolling. You can see the different locations in the background, as you mentioned, that you visited maybe, uh, and you recognize, oh, I've just been there, you know. It's quite nice that way. Uh, music is really great as well. So there's lots of different tracks here as well. And, um, you know, uh, some of them are better than others, but they're all very fitting. Uh, the, the main tune is really catchy. I, I can... I could hum it here. I've played a lot, to be honest, now. I've probably been, let's say, 30 hours in or something like that. Really good. And uh, Sound effects are quite nice. Uh, the shaking of the screen, I think, when when you when you open it, when you switch a terminal, something happens, you don't see it immediately, then you hear a specific noise. And I think at times the, the screen shakes, which is a very nice touch. And the gameplay is just insane, you know, there's there's all sorts of secrets in the levels and things to um, to unlock. There's some sort of beacons, as I mentioned before, that you have to uh, do in a certain order and in a certain time. Then there's I've just found, for example, a cloaking tool. I don't know what it is, and again, come to uh, like a bomb came in to, to, to help me and said that you need to wear that when or use that when you have a, an exclamation mark on the top of your head, which happened to me. And I was like, what, what's what's happening? Why is there I've got an exclamation mark? Mm. And it, then you hear like a beep and you don't know there's something going on. And I think overall, my feelings of this game, it I think it's great, as I said before, but it has some shortcomings that don't, don't, don't impact it as much as I thought it would. But... Um, it does detract a little bit. So the controls sometimes are a bit difficult to to use, as I said, because of the of the nature of the D-pad for the for the NES. And so sometimes I'm shooting upwards that way, like in diagonal, and he just reloads because I think double up reloads or something. I don't know. And so you're you may be trying to shoot something that then just comes down at you, and and all of a sudden instead of shooting, you're reloading the 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 weapon and you don't really want that when you're trying to to achieve that sort of uh, high performance game and and then i think there's a bit of a randomness so there's you need to really explore every single inch of the screen yeah, and yeah, pay I a noticed. very close attention it's crazy that you sometimes you walk around and then uh, i think uh, a call like a bomb said okay now you have to press the d-pad up and then you can look up into the trees and in the trees, yeah. there's a little thing you can shoot. And if you shoot it, it goes down and then you can pick it up. And I was like, how would I ever have found that little thing? I I, I would have passed by that a hundred times before I've ever tried to look up somewhere. Yeah, I agree with you completely. So that is exactly one of the, that's the, probably the biggest shortcoming of this game is that sometimes you are so desperate that you can't go forward that you just, just try everything. And I, I don't think that's the best way to do a game. But again, is that bit that you just mentioned, for example, really necessary to finish the game without 100%? I don't know. I don't know. For either. now, I've been able to get quite f fairly forward in the game without, you know, going too much into um, all this frenzy of fi finding hidden stuff. But it's true that, you know, some of the little machines are hidden. So one is in a lake and you have no idea it's there unless you roll inside the water and then you get into this little cave. But, I mean, I can't take away, as much as I don't like this aspect, I can't take away how how engrossing the game is and how, 
when you progress, you feel a really big sense of satisfaction. And, oh, I've got to the next shack. Oh, I made it. So when I was rushing, I was like, oh, before the night comes, I was constantly checking the time and really panicking about getting the next shack before 2 a.m. And then, you know, all that, it's it just contributes for me to all of it. It's, for, it's a great experience with a couple of very small shortcomings, one bigger than the other, but yet one, yeah, one is the exploration by desperation. <laughs> some, some more cool. Yeah, that's a good, uh, good um, way of saying it. And uh, and the other one is just the the shooting, and uh, so the, yeah, there's another mechanic where you you can crouch and shoot, and you press twice down. Then he says, I think I mentioned this before. He stays crouched, and then you can shoot around. But sometimes to get out of that. You're panicking and you're not, you have to press jump or one of the buttons, I think, and then he stands up again. But if you're panicking, you maybe press up twice, does nothing happens. You're like, oh, hang on. I think maybe I just need to get more used to that. But the controls, I wouldn't say they're perfect. I think they did the best they could. Yeah, but they're mi- obviously the missing stuff. buttons. They, for example, there should be a crouch yeah. button, for example, that would be, make it so much easier. <laughs> stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So I think they did a great job, and for me now, Retrotainment HQ has become a bit of the holy grail. So I'm expecting a lot of them now mm. on the future games they publish because this has been such a big hit with me that I, you know, I am going to go back and play this this evening with my son again because he wants to go forward, and I'm going to go forward with it as well because really impressive. I really want to save my son. <laughs> yeah, I, so, I read somewhere that uh, that the game supports a Super Nintendo pad but i don't know uh maybe then some buttons do stuff like what i said maybe you have a dedicated crouch button and dedicated roll button but i I really don't know how that would work on an nes but how can you attach a snes pad with an adapter you have the special cable or do you have a special cable for it (laughs) i don't know Uh, okay not sure could be interesting right so yeah, I definitely recommend this game as everyone else does. Probably, um, it is very, very good. Even if you're not, you know, a super gamer, even even if you're ever an old dad, I think you can still go and save your son. It's good. It's good. I liked it as well. What I played of it, uh, I liked it, but I don't know if it's a game I'll ever finish. Um, yeah, maybe not. It's too much. I, I don't think. Yeah, but if you go for everything, I think it can be too much. But if you just go, and I don't know if you can do that, but for now it seems so. If you can go directly, you know, go just for the main objective sort of, then I think it's uh, it's doable in not mm. so many hours. If it is doable at all, that is. Yeah, we'll see if you ever finish it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll report back Yeah, to the podcast, of course. Uh, I think, um, again, Come Like a Bomb played an, another game. Uh, I don't know if we want to insert his clip now and, yeah. and listen to what he has to say. Let's do that. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Matthew, a.k.a. Come Like a Bomb. I'm just chiming in real quick, let you guys know what I've been playing through lately. And first off, though, I want to apologize because I have consumed lots of alcohol. So if you can't understand me or if I'm rambling on, it's due to that. But anyhow, currently, I play through and finish Archagus Revolution for the Sega Mega Drive. And, you know, the game is, it's, it's okay. It's decent. But the developer considers it to be a Mode 7 shooter. But when I think of Mode 7, I think of both rotation and scaling simultaneously. Right? Right? But this game, 
only has rotation. So it's kind of more of a mode 7 light, if anything. But from the get-go, I do have a problem with the display because it's kind of this weird force Tate mode where literally because half the screen is your HUD. The left quarter is your weapons and the other right quarter is your health. And I was only assuming the way that it looks this way, it has to do with limitations of the engine. Definitely not the hardware, but the engine the guy created, maybe that's the way to only get the play smoothly. I don't know, but it's kind of a letdown. Next, the heart style is pretty goofy. It really reminds me a lot of Fear Effect on PlayStation 1, but like, if it was drawn like a little kid. It just looks really bad. Gameplay-wise, the game is extremely repetitive, and the game is really easy. I mean, dumb easy. It's not until like the last two stages where they actually gets better level design and actually becomes more challenging. And that's because they start introducing all these environmental hazards, which I wish like that's what the game started off because it actually it actually becomes more fun. Like the fourth and fifth stage, it actually becomes really fun. I actually enjoyed it. And also, pretty much all the bosses are just stupid easy. All you have to do is circle straight around them and just shoot, and they will eventually die. And you need to note that the final boss, though, you do actually have to form a like the only boss you have to actually actually form a strategy to defeat it. Because every single one, like all you do, is circle straight and shoot them, they will die. So all in all, the game is just okay. If the the difficulty manages to start off like on the like the fourth level and built off of there, it could have been a lot better. And I do feel like this was like the idea of this game could have been strong, but just implementation was not there. Like they really needed to make more difficult from the beginning, which is unfortunate. Because I do really feel this could have been a really awesome game. But actually, but this developer, their current game they're working on right now, there's a game called Arcus Escape. Looks really cool, and I'm looking forward to it. Because it's like this weird first-person... I don't know what you call it. It's like you're in a mech, and it's first-person. You're digging through, and you're saving people. But yeah, it's Arcus Escape. And it's for the Sega Genesis. It looks really cool. Check that one out as well. Anyhow, keep up the good work, guys. Loving the show. Peace out. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for that contribution. Come like a bomb. It was um, hilarious, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I, I really loved it. Uh, thanks for contributing. We will definitely not check this game out. Thanks for your. <laughs> Have you watched the screenshots? He <laughs> posted in the Discord. Yeah, that it's a very. Very unique looking game, let's say that. <laughs> it's really like a child's drawing, especially the, the 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 images of the faces. It's really silly, but yeah, it's it seems like it's an art style they're going for because the the new game he mentioned, uh, Arcagus Escape, also has a little bit of that in their trailer. So I don't know. It's maybe just they like the silly art style. I don't know. It but might the, be that it's a one-man job, so he has to do everything. I hasn't found anyone to that that helps him. So I yeah. don't know. But that new game maybe looks either. looks pretty cool as well. So maybe the gameplay is good. I mean, maybe uh, the gameplay is good. Yeah. Well, that's one to check off the list. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Calm. <laughs> All right, guys. It's time for news.
Well, I have only a couple of little news to share about games released or soon to be released. First of all, I couldn't help but notice that Sarah Jane Avery has finally released Zeta Wing 2 for the Commodore 64. And even though I'm not personally a fan of shoot 'em ups, I am certainly a fan of Sarah Jane Avery's games in general. So I think this is a must try. What do you think, Andy? You are a fan of shoot 'em ups. Yes, yes, we're going to do this in one of the upcoming episodes. So I'm going to look at this Zadwing 2. I think Mark also wanted to look at it. So we'll see what we can do. But yeah, one of us is going to look at Zadwing 2, Zeta Wing 2, sorry. I always uh, really suck at uh, shoot 'em up. So uh, <laughs> somehow. I can do them, but uh, there's actually it, it looks really easy, but you really have to do a lot of training before you can finish those games. And sometimes you get frustrated uh, halfway through, and then you think, okay, uh, this is not for me. Uh, let's continue on with another game. So hopefully, this is uh, a different type of those. I love them, and um, I want to see what kind of um, improvements she brought in from a, like a, you know an old style shoot 'em up or shooter, as Mark calls them. Um, instead and, and see if she's put any upgrades or like rogue elements in it stuff like that i don't know i'm very curious yep. well we'll we'll hear about it uh in a later episode okay and then the other game I, I wanted to give a heads up about is actually not yet released it's just announced on steam and this was brought up to me by uh, one of my one of my friends at work and the game is called Slaps and Beans 2 by Trinity Team. Sadly, I still have to play even the first episode. Uh, you know, there's just too little time for too many games. But this is uh, something that looks really, really nice, both the first and second episodes. It's basically a cooperative beat em up. Very similar, in my opinion, to the good old Double Dragon. I think this used to be one of your favorites, Andy. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Double Dragon on the Amiga was a great game that I remember. Yeah. If I watch the screenshots, there's even sort of racing sections in this uh, in this game. There are, but I think that the, ma- the main point of this game as a whole is that it's themed on Bud Spencer and Terence Hill movies. But now I, I have to ask... Widow, did you ever saw? Did you ever seen? Ah, sorry, Widow, did you ever see those movies in Belgium? In Belgium, not, <laughs> in not the Netherlands, at all. You mean? <laughs> sorry, uh, uh, sorry. I just <laughs> do it. Do it again. Do it again. Yeah. Do it again. <laughs> okay, in Africa. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> hey, by the way, just just while we are at it, do you prefer to say Holland or Netherlands? Netherlands. And the Netherlands. The Netherlands, yes. Because okay. uh, Holland is only a little part of the Netherlands. Mm, okay, Somehow, okay. I no. wanted to ask you this question for so long, but <laughs> now that I <laughs> mistakenly put you into Belgium, <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe it was time to, to sort it out. So these movies were actually hugely popular in Italy and uh, also in some other countries, such as Germany, but... Uh, Widow, I wanted to ask you, have you ever seen these movie, movies? Uh, it doesn't ring a bell for me. Uh, the, 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 the names do ring a bell, but they are like two comedians or something? Well, yeah, not yeah. exactly comedians, but they are basically all spaghetti Western movies 
not all of them set in the far west, but as a matter of fact, they are maybe a little bit of slapstick slash action movies, but definitely on the fun side. Not hilarious, perhaps, but... And, and those the... titles are also, of the movies are also Bud Spencer and Terrence Hill, or... Those are, are the actors. A- yeah, those are the actors, or actually their English nicknames. They are both yeah. Italian actors, oh. and the movies are essentially Italian movies, although they were all also, most of them filmed in the Americas, and probably also filmed in English originally. Really? But oh, wow. Uh, I, I haven't seen any of these movies. <laughs> I'm looking at them, but... Uh... They're quite fun. They're also called slaps and beans. Uh, yeah, probably in England they're called slaps and beans, mm. or in English, yeah. Um, they made loads of movies, and just by looking at the trailer of the game, it's, it, they've taken lots of the, of the movies' um, ideas and put them in the game. So when they're playing, I think it's called Crochet, I'm not sure. That's one movie. Then there's Banana Joe is another movie where he's on the big boat with full of bananas. There's another movie. There's another movie where there's this um, karate guy that comes up and does hundred million moves, and he just slams him on the face once. It's there's so many references to all their movies in here. <laughs> that's incredible. Yes, yes. There's very iconic scenes, and uh, the stages are based on that. So, I think this will have certainly a, a huge appeal. Well, like the first episode already had to Italian fans, and these are just really modern so, games on modern platforms. I think. They look pixel art, but I don't see them released on a Genesis or something. No, no, and um, I don't think they should have huge graphical requirements, but the games are for Windows, they are on Steam, and um, yeah, it's definitely... It's definitely pixel art games anyway, so it has this bitmap retro graphics, but it's it's not for all platforms, mm. for sure. It does look awesome. I'm going to wishlist this. In fact, I've already done it. I'm going to get this because this looks so, so much what I'd like to play. And also the animations are very nice. They're I mean, very well done. Uh, yeah. I think, well, the the artwork is fantastic, in my opinion. The representation of the two characters is really well done. But even, even if you have no knowledge of the movies, I think this can be quite a good game, quite a good pair of games anyway because it has a lot of dynamic combat moves and plus there's mini games between uh, the different levels so it looks quite varied in gameplay as a matter of fact it's not just about pressing the same button over and over again to beat the enemies it i think it's quite interesting it's interesting because uh you also have that nes game uh, jay and silent bob malbrawl that's also a, a, a Double Dragon styled game, but with uh, Jay and Silent Bob, which are also funny characters from yeah. movies. So uh, I actually played that game, and that's actually for the NES. So apparently uh, comedic guys are really fitting for fighting games. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, it seems like a trend. Ah, yes, yes. Um, I don't know the ones that you mentioned, but like, say these two guys, Bud Spencer and Terence Hill, they they just fight in all these movies. They have brawls, and ah, in yeah. all the brawls they have, so they're very, very fitting. This makes complete sense. They have loads of brawls. In fact, that the main 
the main thing that people go to see is these fantastic brawls where they you hear lots of psh, 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 and they all get smacked and no one ever dies. There's no blood and they all pile up on a table as you see. <laughs> loads, loads of people pile up. Then they all get up and walk away every time. So it's it's very, in some ways, it's kid-friendly brawl. I don't know if that makes any sense, mm. but no one gets ever hurt, let's say, badly. Definitely kids-friendly and I would also add part of the basic education in italy for everyone who was born after the <laughs> yes well the jay and silent bob are from the clerks movies by the way i don't know if you ever seen that uh, were they also in the the dogma movie? i think so yeah i think they're they're in several movies so uh yeah uh, they like but they never ball yeah, i right. think in those movies so <laughs> anyway <laughs> i digress <laughs> yeah as a, as a final as a final bonus also these game these games contain the original soundtrack by the Oliver Onions and many other bands and musicians oh, that's awesome. so it's it, yeah again this makes a lot more appeal to the Italian fan base really but they are but it's it's really great it's and it looks like these games are really really well done so definitely on my list too do you know who the developer is, just out of curiosity? Well, they're done by Trinity Team. Mm, never heard of them, me. No, they have um, a good bunch of games on Steam, but uh, sadly haven't tried any of them yet. So They seem from Germany? It can be. Kickstarter is from Germany. So. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, cool. Uh, let's check them out. Yeah. We what have you got? Uh, I have one news item, and that's uh, that the Xbox launches a green controller. All right. That's it. <laughs> well done. But it's, it's green. <laughs> it's green. <laughs> but it isn't just green as in the color, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. It's not green only in the color. The, they they incorporate regrind materials and, I don't know, uh, reused battery packs or something. And they just wanted to re reduce waste and uh, use less plastic. And, of course, the controller is green as well, and it comes with a rechargeable battery pack, which normal Xbox controllers don't. So Even even the, the latest series doesn't... Um, I think so. It. I think they, they only come with uh, where you have to put AA batteries in there. Okay, uh, okay. So this so is a different... Yeah. So you, this one you can recharge as well. Mm. Um and it also looks really cool. It has almost like, or uh, the front is green, and the grips are almost like a wooden texture. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, colored, right. uh, Grips, which I really love this look. And I, uh, I recently bought a green monitor for my, for my PC, and I thought this will look awesome <laughs> next to that screen. And I thought yeah. I have to get this, but it was like eighty-five euros or something. So I thought, hmm. For something extra, I all got already for a controller. For a controller, yeah. My God, okay. So yeah. uh, very, maybe it's very eco-friendly. Maybe it's just an extra tax for people who are eco-friendly, or or maybe they're just that expensive. I don't know, but I think you can just get an Xbox Series S for almost that price. So <laughs> with a controller. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're so, right. So uh, it's pretty insane. So I'm still thinking about it uh, to get it, but uh, it really looks awesome. And uh, I, of course, I uh, applaud them to get a little bit more sustainable 
or maybe it's just greenwashing. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's oh, yeah, definitely really? a good idea if if it's not greenwashing, of course. And I, I think, if I remember right, that um, Xbox also has some uh, program, at least here in the Nordic countries, to collect all the equipment and recycle them somehow. Hmm. I've never heard so of that. I think it's definitely a good idea. Perhaps for me, the only non-ideal thing is that I, for some reason, never can stand the controllers with these double analog joysticks that aren't aligned. Oh, yeah. yeah. It irks me for some reason. I, oh, yeah, we had an episode <laughs> where you talked about yeah, Also, that. So I have a big problem with, uh, with the button layout that uh, the A and the B and the X and the Y are swapped compared to Nintendo controllers. So uh, my brain doesn't want to uh, handle that. It's like, my whole life was, was the, the A on the right side and the B on the bottom, and the Xbox does it t- different, totally different. So it's really hard to get used to that. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, uh, yes, apparently yes, I play, yeah. uh, I, nowadays I play a lot of PC games, and a lot of PC games also note uh, the same buttons on screen like that. So I really have to get used to that uh, either way. So um, yeah, maybe I'll pick it up, but 85 euros is pretty. For a controller, it's a very steep I have a lot yeah. of controllers. I, I don't know, but it looks cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks green. I'm not uh, like a, an estimator of aesthetics, so I'm not, I don't really get into aesthetics in, in games in general and in anything you, usually, you know. So I'm not sure this, the colors would be a selling point for me. I don't know. And also, uh, buying something new is always less sustainable than using something old. So Correct, correct. Maybe uh, I shouldn't uh, buy it. <laughs> that was a quick turnaround. <laughs> uh, Andy, do you have some news as well? I have a couple of news items, yes. So there's um, a thing that I never knew that existed called Mesen or Mesen or Mesen. I don't I have no idea. HD. That's the emulator. So it, apparently you can download uh, and uh, some people have made HD packs for some games for um, for the NES. So you can basically change the textures and the sprites. I'm guessing that's what happens. I think I looked this up a, t- a little while ago. And you can change the sprites from the games and uh, you can make them better looking. And uh, there's some examples in there. And not, not everything's uh, complete or done, but they've done uh, Shatterhands. I think you mentioned earlier uh, or in one of the I episodes. So, yeah. video. Um, so that's very interesting. I mean, I didn't know you could do that. It's nearly like they do similar stuff nowadays for old Polygon games. So they will maybe do a HD texture pack for the games mm. and then it will inject in the in inside their game. And now you, they do this also for bitmap games, which is incredible, I think. There's some examples. Um, just Google uh, Mezen HD pack and you'll find uh, what's been done. There's some YouTube videos on it as well. It's quite interesting. Yeah, St- Stika made a really nice video on this. Uh, so uh, I would recommend watching that. And especially the Shatterhands uh, uh, looked beautiful. But some, some of those uh, games look less great because somehow those sprites aren't fitting for the game. Because mm. they swap the sprite to something more HD or something, and sometimes it's just like it looks really iffy, especially because they've 
amount of frames of animation are still the same. So if you have two uh, frames of animation in a walk cycle in a, in a, in one of those sprites, yeah, and uh, and you use a really high definition sprite for it, it really looks really strange when you use a high definition sprite with only two animation frames. So stuff like that is uh, they should still work on. A, and I don't know. I, I always like the classic look as well. So yeah, yeah. Sometimes it ruins ruins the uh, aesthetic of the game. Yeah, but yeah, it, it can be got done uh, really well. If you, yeah, if you do it properly, it it, it just imp- it does improve in my opinion. But as you said, if you if you do it a bit, you know, if you do it without um, keeping in mind a bit of the context of the game, how it is, you might just just end up ruining it. You know, yeah, as you just uh, mentioned, yeah, it almost looks like flash games sometimes. <laughs> yeah, if you do it like that, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, I agree with you totally. Uh, it just looks a bit weird. Um, you have to do it properly and think about the game. Yeah. Mm. Uh, different news. Someone has um, created a killer machine from a NES called the Nestroyer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hilarious when I saw it. So this news from Kotaku. I just found it and I just thought, oh, this is incredible. So it's a NES uh, that they have built and changed and fitted like a rotation rotary blade inside <laughs> so it opens the top loader and this blade comes out and cuts stuff and <laughs> it also can drive really... around or something yes yes so they've added some wheels to it and they can um pilot it around and i think they made it to compete in in a sort of robot uh, brawl Oh yeah, I used to watch those in the nineties. Uh, yeah, I even have a friend who uh, contended uh, uh, with one of those uh, things back in the day. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> he made uh, like a robot like this uh, with his father and uh, did go to uh, one of those shows. Uh. Awesome! Yeah, really awesome. Uh, yeah, so the show I think they were doing making this for was the BattleBots. Um, I, I've never seen the BattleBots itself. I've seen, like yourself, um, some shows in the 90s, but I don't remember the titles right now. No, me neither. And yeah, it's really good. They show it like cutting up a watermelon. So this Ness. <laughs> um, <laughs> cutting up a watermelon. Um, what's that? A beer can, I think it is. And then obviously there's some, a little bit of a joke saying, let's hope it doesn't get onto a, a Sega <laughs> A Seeker Master System. <laughs> uh, but, but did they use a real shell for this? Because uh, that's always a little yeah, bit yeah, they uh, use it. scary that you think, oh, that's it's just a pity that they destroyed the real NES for this. <laughs> but there's still I plenty know. of NESs around, so maybe you don't worry too much about it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a complete video I think you can find of how they built it mm. as well and the tests. Uh, so it's quite nice. Uh, it's quite entertaining to to go and watch. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if you if you have a minute, just Google Nestroya and enjoy the show, <laughs> the awesome. dread show. Okay. Um, I think we're nearing the end. I think we need to do a small recap. Yep. Uh, we played. Uh, I played Loop Tris Plus for Neo Geo, and. Apotris for the Game Boy Advance. Jago played Space Station 23 for the Commodore 64. That's right. And Andy played Full Quiet for the NES. And of course, Calm Like a Bob Omb sent a clip about Archegas Revolution for the Mega Drive. So, uh, yeah, plenty of games. All right. So, this week's shoutouts go to Retro Asylum. 
podcast and calm like a bomb. Yeah, thanks again for sending in uh, that clip. Uh, it was really awesome. And uh, I, I, I want to ask uh, every listener to uh, if they played a homebrew game we didn't play and if they like to send in a clip or an email, we'll read them out. That would be cool to have some extra games in the show. I want to add, because this is uh, the anniversary episode, we have asked uh, the Retro Asylum to um, organize together with us like a high school challenge. So we will be doing something like that very soon and it will have uh, some prizes to win so stay tuned for that i think that's it uh we can wrap it up i will leave you with the last did you know so if you played super metroid uh, you know there's um, a section towards the end where there's some dragon's children who swim in a pattern before the boss arena and before Dra- so before dragon herself arrives and the- and they swim in a path that spells out if you follow it it, it spells out keiko love and the programmer that did this was dating a girl who was named Keiko at the time. That's a very curious fact. We can wrap it up now. Yeah. Thank you for listening, guys. We never thank you enough. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.